Welcome to uh, Insecure Space. Today, we're going to talk about evil IoT devices and uh, go into a deep dive on Spacehoon's last video where he hacked some light bulbs. Yeah, as I uh, well mentioned in my last video, uh, we wanted to do a, kind of a deep dive into the whole IoT topic thing in uh, one uh, podcast episode. And uh, yeah, I mean, Cody, you have done... Uh, you have worked with uh, IoT stuff yourself. You're looking into these camera lamps, right? I bought a camera that uh, I found on AliExpress that was... I just wanted to see how convincing it was as a light bulb. And yeah, it was about $30. It takes all of your information. In order to use it, you have to give it permission on your phone to make and receive phone calls. Um, it was, yeah, it's quite an experience setting it's, it up. <laughs> it looks like a lamp, but it's a camera. This thing is fucking creepy. I invited my landlord in and I was like, look, what is it? And he's like, it's a, it's a light bulb. And I was like, no, it's not. Look. And he's like, it's a light bulb. And I was like, no, it's a camera. He's like, no, it's a light bulb. And he, like, <laughs> could, he could not process it. And I was like, even this thing looks sketchy as hell. People, Most people refuse to believe that it is a light bulb. And it does light up like a little bit on the side. So it kind of looks like a light bulb. It casts light. But it's like, I mean, if, if I saw it, I would be like, that is not a light bulb. That is doing uh, many other things. Why does it have that big of a heat sink? Why is there a camera? You know. <laughs> okay, but other thing people think it's a light bulb. Other people think it's a light bulb. Crazy. <laughs> For w me, would I would I, uh, would not have thought of that. That's weird. I mean, you can immediately see that it's a camera. It it freaks me out that other people don't notice it. But again, the the sneaky guy that that gets it and thinks that he's being the sneakiest is going to get sneaked on because this whole thing takes so much data in order to set up. You have to. Uh, it's just insane. Like the what you have to give it in order to make it work is. We'll, we'll talk about it. Let me let me add my IoT experience as well. I I have a air conditioner which has Wi-Fi, and. and uh, <laughs> And I tried to set up the... Okay, last year, uh, I managed to get the app working, but then GDPR happened. And uh, a few weeks ago, I downloaded the app again, and then it asked me to select a server, and I selected Europe, and the whole app just crashed, and it said I have to download another app because of GDPR. <laughs> so they kind of solved it by blocking the whole thing. Um, so yeah, I didn't really... I uh, since that then I didn't really manage to get it working. I I have to use the remote. Wow, it's it's a weird. Yeah, it's a terrible story. But the, the remote um, is actually working fine. You don't have to have Wi-Fi credentials for it. Guys, I noticed usually we introduce ourselves. We yeah, didn't, but I think everyone knows us. I, uh, I just want to point out that kind of Cody is now part of the podcast. I guess. Hey, uh, <laughs> like. Like a fixed member of our crew. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. This is really fun. So, uh, yeah, uh, mostly uh, you got hired because of the uh, your ability to make better intros than we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I've had a little bit of experience having to do cold intros. <laughs> so you made over one hundred <laughs> videos, right? 
Yeah, we just hit 100, and then uh, we're edging up to like 250,000 on Nullbyte. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> the cool. last, the last, I, I recently watched a video. Uh, I can't remember which one it was uh, from Nullbyte. And uh, one of the top comments was just watching this till the end to see if he blinks. Oh, yeah. Everyone picks on comment. me for not blinking. <laughs> and it is ridiculous because I am stressed out and have a, had like a lot of caffeine. It's, we always shoot like at the end of the day. So, I've had like a full day of work behind me and i just you know people the i was looking at a, a video that i made for um a professor at my school uh which was based on these first two weeks of my arduino class and all the video was was just lighting up and uh turning off an led and the top comment or one of the top comments is that the led blinks but i don't <laughs> uh, and it's on like every single video oh my god this is great so this is a running gag on your channel then yeah so there's a couple memes on the channel and one of them is Great. that i hate priceline.com and the other is that i don't blink but is it actually that you don't blink or is it just edited out those moments i then? actually we now have a, a like our editor like does a, a hand motion that's supposed to signal me signal me to blink and mostly it just distracts me and makes me ruin the take Uh, but sometimes he now gets me to blink multiple times. And we've, we've even thought about at the end of the take, like saying how many times I've blinked uh, for anyone keeping track. Lol. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Improvements for the, improvements <laughs> for the next one. All right. Um, IoT. <laughs> IoT. So, yeah. Uh, we, we already talked about this before recording. Uh, I want to start with uh, just talking a bit of what are useful and what are unuseful appliances for smart home. Like they are, the market is flooded with these smart home devices and some of them are ridiculous. Uh, some of them might be useful for someone. And uh, yeah, Cody, I think you already had some devices you think of are useful. All right, so I've got some devil's argu uh, advocate arguments. Um, one of them is... Even though smart light bulbs are annoying um, and there are problems with them, some implementations on them are less vulnerable than others. And look, I had uh, LED strips strung up around my um, uh, different parts of my apartment for a while, and you could make any color you wanted. It was really useful for videography, photography, all this other stuff. But finding the remote and changing them to the right color was annoying. Everything was preset, and the only way of adjusting it was very, very annoying. Uh, you lose the remote and you can't interact with the device anymore. Um, it's super irritating. So actually having like uh, the ability to set custom colors and lights and stuff in your home without a Wi-Fi setup is super, super annoying, super annoying. Um, so I would say like one thing that is useful is when they're done well, even though it, it might not be the most important thing, it's still a, a just light years apart, like a Philips Hue system or something that, you know, actually interacts with the Zigbee that's a little bit harder to hack. Um, though, and doesn't sell your information to somebody else. Yeah. Um, those systems, I think, are, are really, really useful for what they try to do. And then the other argument I made was um, devices like smart plugs or uh, systems that allow you to automatically turn off power-consuming devices like water heaters or um, computers that you are not using or other things like that. Uh, I think that those are actually ways that you can make sure you're minimizing your power consumption. Even if they do take some electricity, it's still less than, you know, having like something plugged in that really consumes a lot of power. Like I, I have a server 
that I work on sometimes. And when it's plugged in, it's still drawing current that it does not need to be. So if I can automate those things being turned off when I leave, then that would be really cool. Again, provided it's not, you know, allowing, like, I don't necessarily need to do that remotely. It's nice. It's a nice feature. And if I set it up myself, I would like that. But I do not want to, you know, I would not on the flip side, say that it would be worth plugging in a product that automatically configures itself to you have no idea where and then, you know, leaves a, a hole in your system. So that's my argument for these sorts of things is they can be useful. Oh, the security camera, you know, put, like versus hiding a security camera in like a teddy bear or something like it has its own power supply. You know, it has integrated Wi-Fi. It's actually like for $30, like it's a great product. It's just the software I think is is a, a terrible, terrible mistake. But what happens if you deal with these, these cameras? Oh, yeah, I can answer this. Same thing as any IoT product. You Go ahead. <laughs> uh, same, wait, now no, I want to know what you're going to say. So, I mean, oh, oh, if you de-auth them, they, they become useless. They don't have enough memory or storage in most cases to be able to do anything. Uh, some cameras yeah. are able to continue recording, but um, you know they're basically on their own the second you detach them from the data source. Yeah, like they, yeah, okay. they're very, and also they're very vulnerable when they're detached from the data source because many of them don't dif- differentiate between a spoofed or uh, like illegitimate command or firmware update, for example, versus a legitimate one. And that's a real problem. It shouldn't right, be. I haven't, I haven't thought of that, um, but most cameras, I mean, okay, if they record, like they, they save uh, the video footage on a SD card or something like that, uh, okay, then they just record it to that uh, to that memory. Um, but most are just streaming data, right? So if you de-off them, they will either, uh, if, if they are good, they will turn black or there will be some kind of error. Uh, but most, they just uh, have a still image then. Yeah. But, you know, it just... <clears throat> One thing you the can video do, stops, it though, is if you create a Wi-Fi network that's the same, uh, like the same name as uh, the one that it was kicked off as, deny the ability to connect to the real one, it'll automatically connect to the fake network. And then if you, a lot of times, if you just have the mobile application for that thing, if the person hasn't changed the default password, you can just log in. <laughs> you get, like, I, I, I actually had, there was a camera at a doctor's office that had a, like, wireless access point open. I was able to log in and then just configure it by downloading the app. And I could, I figured out the app by just looking at the name of the access point. So most of these things, when they're, when they're kicked off their network, and if you can get them to join your network or you can join the network that they put out, the soft access point, you can just configure them by downloading whatever software is designed to control it because often it has a default password that nobody ever thinks to change. So to, I mean, to answer your question, you can, you can literally steal th- control the device sometimes if they haven't changed the default password if you deauth them and then have a, a network ready to capture that device again. Shouldn't this be solved or defended against by, for example, uh, you know, it's streaming somewhere, but when the s- streaming server who is listening to the stream detects that there is no more stream, so it became de-offed, then it, sh- it could send a notification to your app that uh, the camera is disconnected. That would be maybe nice. Some Some might do that, but... The cheap China way oh, yeah, doesn't. Of, of course, really... the China ones don't do it, but that could be nice to, for example, if it like detects that you know there is no more uh, stream coming through, then it could notify. The more I learn about Wi-Fi, the less I think that IoT security devices are a good idea. 
Yeah. Seriously. Um, like, anybody can screw with this stuff at any moment. Like, until we have, like, WPA3 and they solve oh existing uh, denial of service attacks that already work against it, um, then, you know, it's just not going to be a good idea. All these, like, smart home products that rely on, like, active connections, you can make them freak out when there is no connection, but you're going to get all sorts of false alarms. And if someone wants to give you alarm fatigue, they're just going to put a light bulb near you that de-auths it 10 <laughs> times a day. And, you know, then, like, oh what God. are you going to do? You're, you're going to get fucking alarms all the time, and you're just going to think either it's going off for no reason or the CIA is after you or something, or I don't know. But either way, you're going to stop paying attention to the alarm because it's going to go off constantly. Um... So, um, yeah. I, I want to say multiple things. Uh, first, you mentioned that um, uh, controlling lights is a useful thing. Uh, I think LED strips, like RGB LED strips, there are even from China, you can get like for $5 or something, you can get these controller modules uh, with an ESP in them. So you can control them over Wi-Fi. I love this. Um, I, but I think they work just locally. They don't talk to the internet. Well, what I think is absolutely stupid is uh, are these light bulbs that I had in my video, uh, which connect to a Chinese server, and you need to register to turn your light on and off. So, uh, but th that's yeah, a, that's actually pretty good if something is only on the local net local network, because then you could maybe make like a Raspberry Pi or something, and then connect that to like I don't know Google Assistant or some more secure thing that you built and then you don't have to rely on these shitty LED server Chinese things because then you know the Raspberry Pi on your network turns on all of your lights for example and you well okay the, the point of all of this is convenience um, the difference between an IoT product that you have connect to a sketchy Chinese server and an IoT product that you have connect to your local server is the ability to access it remotely. That Fundamentally, that's it. And for regular consumers that don't know the difference between security uh, and convenience, they're going to pick the thing that lets them check and turn off their lights or what the fuck ever from their car, not the one that only lets yeah, them yeah. interact with their smart devices when they're at home. And that's why okay, people pick these saying, things that are yeah. insecure. Um, it's a terrible decision because they don't have all the information, but I mean, that's what consumers see. They just see the, okay, can I do this from work or can I not? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, the thing is though, I don't see the point in, uh, changing the color of one light bulb at my home when I'm at work. Like, that's just ridiculous to me. I get your point with the, um, smart power plugs that you or, can turn or like a off. camera. A camera. Yeah. Not yeah, a fan so, of IoT cameras, but well, yeah. But let's say let's say that you wanted to have a camera. Let's say your packages kept getting stolen, and you wanted to have a camera on your front porch. Are you going to yeah. buy the camera that you can only watch when you're in your home, or are you going to buy the camera that lets you see it from anywhere? And if people don't are if they're lazy and they don't want to do a lot sure. of setup, that's how they're going to end up with the scary, you know, Chinese shouty uh, light bulb camera that I got is because they're going to want to pay thirty five dollars, and they don't care you know, where they're getting the video from because to them it's coming from the app. But it, it, as you and I know, yeah, yeah, it, it is not I, coming from the app. Got, got your point. I just uh, want to say that um, even controlling lights, uh, it really depends because some things are ridiculous and some things are pretty useful. Um, yeah, one thing I find very useful are these uh, smart uh, thermostats for, uh, yeah, for, for what is heating elements and that stuff. So you can 
uh, make your 30 year old heater in your room uh, suddenly became become smart so that it turns off at a certain uh, uh, degree or turns on stuff like this uh, that doesn't even have to talk to the internet but it's still a smart home thing uh, depending on how well some of them you can configure them to turn on when you come home or something like this but you can also just yeah make your heating element smart by setting the temperature and stuff which uh, when I look at my heater I cannot this thing is so fucking old <laughs> how can yeah. how can it control it? the the old thing it is just cutting the power just, you know that thing you can turn and has numbers on it yeah but how do you control that with the smart you just have uh, a cutoff switch that as soon as it gets to a certain temperature it just turns it off so it's not i mean it's not actually turning it down you just set like a limit and then a sensor like basically provides like a it's like cruise control but for temperature yeah i believe so hmm. yeah you re- you replace that that hand uh, at least um i don't know how how he just look in the u.s <laughs> but i think uh david you you probably have something similar to what we uh, use here uh the handle that you're turning that's just completely replaced by the smart thingies oh w- so oh, wait on the may- is it called the ruddy <laughs> no I, that's not the english word for it the 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 things that on the other on the wall and then you can adjust the vo- hot water hot water going into it or it's something uh, different that's, that's a, something different yeah that's something different um we're talking about a thermostat oh yeah that's okay um, but where do you Mm-hmm. A- a- anyway, I don't <laughs> want to carry get carried away on these technali- uh, technologies. Heating technology, technology. W- whatever. Um, yeah, uh, I w- I wanted to say something else, but I forgot it. Setting it uh, or the setup process or convenience. Yeah, let's let's go to the whole convenience thing. Do you think this is convenient? Yeah, of course it's convenient. Having to have a remote, like an infrared remote, is annoying. And most phones don't have infrared blasters anymore. So having the ability to interface with devices that you have to configure precise values into via Wi-Fi is awesome, if you can do it securely. Actually, the AC thing is pretty cool, if you think about it. When When it was working last year, it was pretty cool because, you know, you're at the summer... You are somewhere and you are going home and then you just open the app while you are going home and then you turn it on and then when you get home it's cold. Right. So that's nice. Yeah, things things like that. I, I live in Los Angeles and it's about to get into the hundreds very soon and it's gonna be hot as hell. And when I get home and it's like over a hundred degrees in my apartment, that sounds terrifying for you, but it's Fahrenheit. Um, yeah, you're bored. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, it's like it's really, uh, really awful to, to do anything. Um, so being able to like make your apartment nice by the time you get there, uh, that that is really convenient. Um, using it is convenient. Yeah, uh, but you know what's not convenient? When I open the fucking app and then I have to restart the app like five times because it says connection error because that was the, <laughs> with the with the AC that it wasn't working and i don't know i don't know it was just really weird yeah well often often they are programmed very shitty not not only the firmware running on the devices but the apps as well and probably the server in between uh, is pretty shitty as well so uh you're gonna encounter a lot of weird errors 
Well, let's also talk about the different ways that you can set these products up because that's fundamentally the difference between whether they're secure or not. If you have a, a premium product like a Philips Hue that is using Zigbee, what you basically have is like the base station that acts as a Zigbee router. And because that it, the technology is less uh, of an attack surface than Wi-Fi is, and it's also more difficult for someone who, you know, is just a Wi-Fi hacker with a cheap budget to jam or control, you know, the, the resistance of that product being attacked is relatively higher, presuming that the network it's on is you know secure and you're not attacking the controller um and it's not sending your data out because it has its own server it's doing its own thing it's local and if you want to open up a port or whatever then i mean you can if you want to connect that to you know the internet at large and then have that risk be a trade-off for the convenience of being able to interact with your lights at home or other products at home then that's your choice but you can have the transparency of like you know, either putting in the extra work to open your own port or whatever and do it yourself or go with a company that you trust and maybe pay a little bit extra. That's one way of doing it. That's the premium way. The not premium way is letting this app have all your information and just being like, hey, you do this for me. And then in the background, they get access to so much data that they can afford to subsidize the actual product that you're buying. So it ends up being way cheaper, but it's because you're not like, you know, the, the database that they're building on you is probably worth more to them than the actual product they're selling you. I mean, I think you could uh, make it a little bit more secure if you set up like a, maybe if you, your router doesn't support it, you just buy a secondary router, which you set up like a guest network or something, you know, which has like a totally different password and it can't access the your actual yes. local network. And then you connect all of your internet of shit onto the um, other router. Uh, guys, this is exactly my argument uh, because what you just like the second router and on that thing that's not convenient for the end user. Oh, yeah, of course, it's not. Just, it's it's just you have you that's the thing with, with these no, wait, wait, wait. IoT. Actually, yeah. I think some of the new routers have something like this, or maybe I'm wrong. I, I remember yeah, hearing, hearing about routers. it that modern routers have this kind of thing that you can turn on, like a VLAN made for IoT. And then, you know, it you can just connect stuff more easily. So it's, it's kind of getting mainstream, but it's still not, of course. My point here is just you have so much things to look out for um, that it often becomes inconvenient. Yeah. Uh, and then you have different devices that work over different protocols. Some need a hub, some don't need a hub, but you still want to get them to talk to each other. So there are different ways to get that, that uh, going. You have... Some things are, can work over the, the Google Cloud thing. Some can work over Alexa, but then you have to register and this, this API stuff, it's, oh. then uh, uh, the Apple stuff, um, no idea, but uh, oh, as far okay. as I can see, it's pretty use, useless and terrible. <laughs> um, the, and the, then you have uh, uh, like third-party things like IFTTT. Um, and yeah, this, there was this one video, and I think I cut a few seconds uh, of that footage in, into my video. Uh, it was a guy ex- like showing his uh, completely automated home. Uh, it was like a 20-minute video. And this thing scared me. But also he showed uh, how he had maybe three, three to five different apps installed and, and talking about every gadget. Uh, he explained how is it is working and how it's talking to the others. And all I could think is how much fucking work this must have been to set this all up. 
Because this does not look convenient. I don't think it's that hard, honestly. The the way that I found that it works is you have a local app that speaks the language of whatever the thing you're trying to install is. So you have like light, uh, as you know, there's a bunch of light bulbs that all work with the same app, or you'll have a camera that works with some app. And then that app will interface with a couple different other master controllers, like the Alexa or Google Home or whatever. And then you just, there's a big long list of different things you can connect to it. And it looks like a big complicated network, but there's only really like three or four different apps all speaking to like Google, whatever your master one is, like Google Home or whatever else. So I've tried installing a, a couple different ones just to see what the user experience is like and then uninstalling them. Um, and in general, like they're pretty easy to set up, even though they're, it looks complicated. Um, uh, they're pretty well integrated because once Google understands or whichever one you're using understands which API to speak to and basically what the, the pre-configured setup is already and, and which devices exist, it, it imports them really easily. Okay. Well, um, what about users that don't really know about all these different protocols, technologies, <laughs> and which app to use? They never, stuff? they never need to know about it. All of the, at least on the products I've seen, they download like some app that comes along with the product. Then within their, whatever they use to run their home, Alexa, Google, whatever, they scroll through the, the things to add. There's always that app like that's there that they can tap on. It imports the profile from the app and then it just works. Interesting. Okay. However, thing. however, if they, yeah. if somebody was going to be worried about like you know putting a backdoor on their network and all the things we're going to talk about later, they would have to do a lot more digging. It's not transparent, and like you said, sometimes the only difference between a device that's relatively secure and totally insecure and is kind of designed to steal your data, it could be like works with Hub or works without Hub. Like it's and a normal consumer is not going to know what that means. Hmm. That's true. I don't know. Uh, if I think of, um, hey, I want to replace my lights with smart light bulbs, I don't think that's hard to do. But if I think of setting that, that home, like this guy in the video had up, um, where you have smart uh, door sensors, smart door locks, uh, smart door feeder, smart power plugs everywhere, smart lights everywhere, uh, uh, the, the thermostats we talked about... Um, Things that uh, close your windows and that stuff, like everything you can imagine, that's like clusterfuck. And that's just uh, that that can't be the future. I mean, that has to be simplified. Right now, it's just a, a shit ton of tiny computers running everywhere. Is it really? The hub, uh, yeah. Is it really? Uh, just going back to the useful thing, thinking about the actual bulbs, like light bulbs. Is it actually useful to turn on the light bulb? I, I got the LEDs with the colors and stuff. That's yeah, exactly. That's but I, the, I, I don't see. I think so. Case in it. I think it is because like you have a product that is a light bulb that can be any color. Great. No, 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 well, no, how no, do you? No. Okay, but how do you t tell it what color to be? Like, yeah, that's, sometimes that's fine. I that's don't... fine. Of course, I, I I just I just think about the turning it on and off because I, you most of the time you use your light bulb as like a source of normal light, right? It's not like uh, RGB. Most of the time. Well, I mean, yeah, because you have a light bulb that can't do that. But for around the same price at this point, you can get a light bulb that you can tune to whatever color of white you want. And of course, it has the, the, the wacky colors that it can do as well. But just having a light bulb that has two different shades of white, cold and, and, and warm, that you can tune is nice. Like, you don't know what the inside of your apartment's going to look like. You're not sure, yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. color you're going to want. So just having, like, okay, you have a technology that's fundamentally better for what it's trying to do, lighting. But you can adjust you, it. It's it's freely adjustable, but then you have to interact with it. 
that becomes tedious if you have to do it over like, you know, a, like a remote or something, and then you lose the remote. So I think that things will continue to trend this way. But yeah, it, making it integrate and making it easy to work with is going to be a challenge because at as Stefan noticed, I mean, there's there's just a lot of different things that all are made by different manufacturers and speak different languages, and it all totally relies on some master umbrella thing being able to speak to all of them and understanding how to control them properly. Because yeah. otherwise, the end yeah, user is screwed. That, that's maybe, that's maybe. really I understand that when you if you change something, but uh, if you are just turning it on and off, for example, you have it set up, then you should also have like a switch, right? Because when you go out of a room you have to say to google to turn off the light that's just yeah i don't know it's just you can still turn it off the traditional way but then if you do that where's the, the point oh, of the wait light? if you turn it off with the actual switch then you can you turn it on with the google assistant you can't no yeah so you so have to turn it off. Yeah, it, it can't. It can, yeah, it can't force itself to get power again. You have to basically leave it on, and then it switches itself off, but stays on enough to be able to control itself. Yeah, but if you want Which to just also, turn off the lights, then you have to talk with Google. Um, um, no, I mean you can turn it off the traditional way as well, but uh, you can also have it turn itself off programmatically. So, like, if you leave the house, all the lights can turn off. Things like that. Um, so there, I mean, there's different ways to configure it. It's just, it's a fundamentally different device. Like we're not talking about like a filament that you have to flip a switch to interrupt current to. We're talking about a completely configurable LED array that has yep. a lot more potential. So it's kind of difficult to even compare them because, you know, right. Like if you have a, a, a two mode device on or off, then, you know, having a, a crazy complicated, you know, system of interacting with it doesn't make sense. But, you know, you don't really see a lot of, of um, Wi-Fi connectable lights that only turn on and off. Most of them have other features just because it's, it's cheap to integrate them. Yeah. So the solution is you keep them basically on all the time, uh, as at least the Wi-Fi or whatever hardware is in there in them, which uh, me... As a computer science guy, uh, drives me crazy knowing that there are dozens of little servers running in my home emitting uh, radio uh, stuff uh, <laughs> and spying on me. But okay, that's a that's a different point. Um, now I forgot again what I was going to say, David. Uh, <laughs> um. uh, oh yeah, the the smart home people, you know. Uh, smart home enthusiasts would now say, well, there's a solution. There are smart switches that you can install that if you press them, turns off your light, but your lights uh, stay connected to the internet. Because when you press the button, it's not actually interacting with the lamp. It's sending a message to whatever cloud you're using that sends a message to whatever cloud your lamp is using that then sends a message back to your local lamp in your home to turn off. My favorite one is actually a light switch that um, sits in your wall and it passively harvests energy from the Wi-Fi. So it, it like soaks it into a rectenna and then like charges a little battery. And then it ekes out a little like MQTT message anytime you press it to turn the light on and off. What? That works? Yeah. Isn't Wait, that cool? that's, that's the... Um... Uh, the Philips Hue thingy, right? I think so. There's Whoa, Yeah, I think so. Is, is that Isn't it cool? That, but that works a bit... That's, that's uh, Zigbee and I think it uh, only takes the energy from pressing the button right yeah or it might have a little piezo or something but it uses passive energy harvesting to interact i thought that was so cool though as a replacement for a traditional light bulb yeah that's nice that's for yeah, a traditional light switch that's pretty that's that's actually smart <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, one thing that we had on the show notes that we haven't talked about yet for um, the convenience argument is the difference between different like setup uh, processes and updates 
um, the way that you update these things shocks me um, because sometimes you'll just have the ability to like, okay, I was riding the train yesterday and um, I noticed there was a Wi-Fi network. So I connected to it. I did an ARP scan. I found the IP range. I went to the lowest IP and it was an interface panel for a smart speaker. And the first pa- like the first option was to upload firmware. <laughs> so anybody on the train could have uploaded firmware to this like smart speaker and i was just like why actually i took screenshots let me see um uh, again no no password nothing to like prevent you the wi-fi network was completely open um i was just i was just really uh surprised that um you know anybody could just log into this thing and tell it to start up updating itself um, but I find it that's the uh, the case with a lot of these different things. Oh, it was a Fabric 22C uh, Wi-Fi speaker. God. I saw um, there are these smart speakers that are hand, uh, handed out by companies as a, as a gift now. You can actually get them relatively cheap and they put your brand on them. And these things are super annoying. It's a it's a speaker and a power bank in one, and I think it also creates an access point. We have wholesale or, or maybe... in Los Angeles that where like whole, companies wholesale those, and homeless people will come by and steal them. Um, so basically, people ride around on bikes here and just have like a speaker and a power bank, but not like a small speaker, like a giant party speaker, and they just ride <laughs> around playing them at full volume. It's a very weird Los oh Angeles God. thing. <laughs> um, one thing, guys. Um, what about smart door locks? Smart door locks scare the shit out of me. Um, right. I don't think that oh they're... Uh, I, as I said, IoT devices are sketchy. Um, the Wi-Fi connection part is sketchy. I get it. Like, I want convenience too, but... Um, man, that's a bad idea. Or at least it's an idea <laughs> that I, I don't trust yet. You could de-off it. You could you could do all sorts of bad stuff to it. Um, I just don't fucking like it. Sorry, they, I don't. I don't think it's good. <laughs> um, I think there are different models, but the ones I've seen uh, either can be unlocked from your app, which can well easily be abused, I guess. Um, Great. Uh, or uh, you can put put in a pin on a touchpad. This so this thing has a little touchpad, uh, which I think is also a horrible idea because they all often have this um, glassy. Uh, front for the touchpad, so you can probably <laughs> yeah, also like see one. where the guy, you know, it's it's a four-digit pin. This is not hard to crack, but okay, maybe there's some protection against this as well. Um, but then, then what? What if your door lock has empty batteries? <laughs> can you <laughs> can you like open this? it with Google Assistant? I think so. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure. I I didn't look into smart door locks. I think there are different <laughs> different models. But there were also <laughs> these ones with cameras. And I think on the last uh, Fredwire episode here, Shannon from Hack Five uh, mentioned that there was this kind of surveillance network growing when uh, enough people from the neighborhood had oh, their. Yeah, that, that's the. That's the. What? How do you call it? That's the camera which supports, right, like, sponsors a lot of stuff. The ring doorbell. Yeah. Yeah, that sh- scares the shit out of me. Like, I mean, it's it's why a doorbell. Why would you do this? Oh, right, it's a doorbell, you know, not a lock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, you know, a thing I don't, I wouldn't do. <laughs> you know, so, you know what I was. 
sorry, uh, what I was thinking about, if, if you have a smart dog that you can unlock with Google Assistant, what if you le- leave the, the window open and you have a Google Home indoors, then the, then the thief can just uh, shout Google Assistant, open the door, and then the assistant is going to hear it, and then it's going to open the door. I'm not sure if they have any voice recognition thing going on now. Uh, I mean, do 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 they? Uh, I think my I friends can turn my lights on and off. So <laughs> okay, so we we are not there yet. All right then. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, it has it has idea. actually it has the Google Home. I think it, at the Google I/O they talked about it that it kind of recognizes you, but I don't think that it is making security decisions it's just you know when you talk to google assistant it gives you different recommendations than the other ones oh wow <laughs> All right. that's that's like uh uh yeah ads but in real life you know when when you browse online oh, yeah. they know I, I, they are tracking you so they can give you customized no ads i mean, it, and I mean now it's you're speaking to it, it you you have the Google Home and also has a camera, I think, the new version. So it does face recognition as well. Okay, that that yeah. Okay. And uh and but that 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 also scares the shit out of me. Yeah, face okay. That, that okay, that, that has a camera. I <laughs> different I know. different I mean, thing though. Yeah, uh, but the point is that you go in the morning, you have it in the middle of the, your home, you know, you have, that's a family, there are a lot of people, and you go in, in front of it in the morning and it tells you your schedule and stuff which which is which is kind of understandable you know so it recognizes you and tells you what's up and you can continue your podcast or anything so that's pretty cool I, do I you like um automating your life like this i'm i'm i don't know i'm not really it's just because i don't i feel like if we automate ourselves like this then what what's the point of like being a human i don't know not flipping switches for no reason Okay, Google tournament. Okay, that's a different thing. But I mean, like, if you <laughs> if you automate like your your entire day, where you you wake up, you have a tight time schedule, and your assistant tells you uh, everything, and you kind of rely on it and and all that, and you don't really have much uh, control over your life anymore. What you, you can configure it? You you set it up though. Google isn't setting itself yeah, up for you, but you but tell people, it what to tell you. People, <laughs> people set it up to control themselves though. Well, that's their problem. It sounds like they have issues. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the thing that that uh, yeah scares scares me a bit that you know people just like to yeah. Make I think that the human experience is mm-hmm. not flipping a bunch of switches to interact with your with your devices. Like if you can, I I believe the technology should get out of your way. Like if technology can work without having to bury your face in a screen uh, or like an interface of some sort to work with it, and it can be as seamless as possible, that's being useful. Yeah, but that's <laughs> what is. I don't new trust things technology. Are <laughs> that's what these new <laughs> things are doing. Actually, it's making it easier. Right, I know it's probably just me knowing too much how they work. Yeah, I think that's that's it. I know I know too much to to trust them. <laughs> that the good normal the new people Google love thing. it because you know Google now uh, really focuses on uh, on privacy. They they actually really went on it. So it's like the this Google I/O conference this year. 
it was like everything was basically about pri- not everything but most of the things were like about privacy and also they released this new google home uh, with the camera and stuff and uh, they said it's interesting because now you have to put these on it to make people feel safe because people are not going to buy it because there's a camera so what google did there is a a physical switch on the back you can switch it and then it uh, apparently physically disconnects the camera and the microphone so i mean okay i mean you know you can say or i don't know how it disconnects the point is that it turns it off completely so uh, there is no camera and microphone and 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 it's it's weird that uh or it's not weird it's just you know people you have to show it show this to people because otherwise they are just afraid so that's how google is trying to you know get into homes because people are afraid of bringing like google assistants and stuff into homes so Google is trying to make it as, uh, I don't know, as trustable as they can just by putting physical switches. I mean, there's literally no point of putting a physical switch. You could just put a touch screen thing, but the physical switch is more, uh, gives more trust to the, you know, gives, yeah. gives more trust to the user. So that's why they are doing it. It's, it, it's just, I think it's interesting how, how um, they have to do it. Cody, you said the human experience shouldn't be uh, pressing buttons. What do you think about uh, smart dog feeders or smart cat feeders for that purpose? <clears throat> yeah, you have a cat, right? Yeah. Oh my god. If I could, I would feel more um, independent if I was able to make sure that my cat was fed and he wasn't going to be eating food that was like old or stale or left out or something, because it, it would mean that I could have somebody come in and check in on him every like day or two, but I wouldn't be afraid that he wasn't going to get food. Um, things like that are just like a, a, a backup um, for. Obviously, you're not going to like leave your cat alone for like a month with something like that, at least not without some sort of way of like having a fail safe or somebody checking in. But just for some like peace of mind and knowing that your cat is going to, you know, your pet's going to get like fresher food uh, on a regular basis and you have a little bit of control over it without actually having to do, you know, wake up every morning and let's say you're late for, for work. Like if you forget to feed your cat, <laughs> that sucks. You're going to have to go back at some point during the day and make sure that you take care of that. But like, if you have a device that can check you and make sure that, you know, if you forget to do it, it gets taken care of because it's important. Little tasks like that, I think are good to automate if you can, because it, it prevents you from making mistakes when they're really important. It also makes you sometimes more reliant on those things, which can be a problem. So having backups is important because if things are so important, like I said, security, uh, of your front door. I would not personally trust that to a, to an IoT device yet, um, especially the way that most of them are configured. It just doesn't really make sense. Um, but other things like, yeah, like feeding your pets, like, you know, like if, if your IoT thing breaks and, you know, it's not checking in anymore and there's a reliable way of, of seeing that and you're able to send somebody to go f- see to your pet, I think that's fine. Relying on an IoT device to feed your pet without any sort of backup or way of, of detecting if it's not working, that is a stupid idea. So this this one uh, video I talked about uh, a couple of times now, uh, he, he, the guy in the video, and I hope I get this right, but I believe that he automated um, yeah, feeding his dog, but also where his dog can go uh depending on the daytime or if he is at home or not because there are there are these these little doors or something or that the garage opens or something and then he can go to the guard so, something like this right uh, and then also he has uh, uh like an app or something to call people to walk the dog so, so it's like, uh, i got 
test. I got the impression already. from this video that he basically uh, fully automated his dog, so he doesn't have to spend time with it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, people. That's my friend worked at a company that their whole business model was like nurses, like other people with like pets and other stuff that have to get the dog walked because they're like they're on call or like something happens where they're away from home for a long time. Like, yeah, they have they have apps like that, uh, and they try to do stuff like that. Because their lifestyle doesn't let them do certain things that other people have an easier time of doing. I find this odd because if you don't have the time to walk your dog, then I think you shouldn't have a dog. Well, that's your. I, I think a lot of nurses and other people that work at stressful jobs with odd hours would disagree with you. Hmm. You know, that, especially people yeah, that are. But... Let's say that they're going to school or something like that. Like, if they have a dog pre-existing, are you asking them to like give away their dog? Like, you know, there might be times in their life where they don't have time to care for the dog the way they should because they're yeah, going okay, through something stressful. Like but yeah, it doesn't mean they can time, get rid but... of the dog. But if it's for a certain time, I mean. Sure. I, I understand the point you're making. You don't want to like have like an automated like if you're if you're raising an animal like as as though it's like for food, but you're not like it's a dog. That doesn't make sense. Like, you know, just like yeah, creating a, a, just... a robot to, to interact with your dog for you kind of defeats the purpose of having like an affectionate animal <laughs> as a pet. Yeah. yeah. But no, a lot of, there's, a there's lot definitely of... cases where like, you know, people end up needing that sort of thing. A lot of people get uh, animals for this pet experience like uh oh look i'm having fun with my dog taking a selfie or whatever but not not they don't actually want to spend time like walking it or feeding it like or raising it training it you know uh we my, my parents have a dog and uh, <laughs> this might be why i get a bit upset when people do this i mean you you if you if you have an animal, then you you need to spend time with it. If your lifestyle doesn't let you, then yeah, uh, I mean, I don't I know. Mean, it's weird. If we well, I mean, of... I'll I'll argue that as well. Like, I have a cat that was born under my house. Like, it's I I provide a good home for it and I feed it, but like, I didn't ask to have a cat. I just like you know I live in an environment where cats literally spawn out of the the earth. So, yeah, sure. I mean, so like I taking think... in this cat, like I at first like I didn't interact with it all the time because I'm I was providing a home for it. You know, if I didn't provide a home for it, it was going to live on the street, and maybe it would go here. Like most of the shelters are kill, so like it probably wouldn't have survived. So like you know, my my role for this cat was like yeah, it was an indoor outdoor cat. Like that's really risky, but it's a better environment than it would have gotten before. Sometimes it's just like you know, not everyone has a cat or a dog to be like their their companion. Like some people you know, want to provide a home for an animal, but don't have all of the resources available. And maybe, you know, automating feeding or automating, like getting rid of the, the, the waste in the litter box. Like that could be something that makes somebody who has a busier life still able to have an animal that's like relatively independent. But I agree, like raising like a puppy or something, that's not going to work. Like if you, if you're taking an approach where you're all hands off and like weird about it and trying to make it so somebody else or some machine is like doing all that work for you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it can be debated if we are talking about, for example, a pet. But if, for example, it's a child, then you can't really, I mean, you're not going to automate your yeah, child. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's like, you know, that's rich people just get, you know, a, an immigrant to do that for them. But um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we would never use a machine. That would be unethical. Weird. <laughs> this is this is all weird <laughs> oh uh, yeah anyway i just wanted to talk 
No, yeah. but it's an interesting point because the like the ability we've never really been able to automate, you know, having a pet before. So it puts us in a weird place when we're able to like take something that's usually like a very intimate connection with another animal and just make it so distant that we might not even see that animal for like days at a time. Yeah, that's that's just weird. And why? Uh, but yeah, you you get my point. I I get your point. Uh, <laughs> obviously, there are use cases. Yeah, I just sometimes I just feel like. Um, Sure, there are use cases, but most people gonna abuse that technology to do something that maybe isn't that great. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, there's there's a lot there. But let's talk about account management. <laughs> account management. Oh, my God. It's the last thing on this part of the show notes that we haven't covered. The way that these devices actually manage your account so oh you my can God. access them. Oh my god, well, tell me about the experience with that camera light bulb, because... Oh, it couldn't uh, be better. It was so easy to set up, let me tell you. I just pulled it out of the box, I plugged it in, <laughs> it starts shouting at me in Chinese, I download an app, and then I it tells me to connect to the light bulb, the app demands a bunch of permissions, which I deny, it then shuts down. Uh, so then I have to give it permission to, amongst other things, make and receive phone calls, have access to my GPS location... Uh, uh, then I proceed to give it my Wi-Fi credentials. That's great. Um, and it, it like, uh, so it takes my Wi-Fi credentials. It asks me to create a user account. Um, it asks me to validate the user account so it has a real email address. And then, and only then, am I allowed to seamlessly connect to my light bulb, which is still shouting at me in Chinese, but now saying something different. Um, uh, and at that point, I actually get access to this really slick interface that has a 360 degree view. It's super well laid out. It's pretty obvious. Like they they went with like a third party company that like designed a really slick interface for their hardware. And it, again, it works really well. But when I took it apart, I could see that it was just two different boards soldered onto each other. And like the the camera interface was obviously sold with like a like a really nice application to control it. But it was it had been paired to this other thing that has remote access all the time and basically like eased me through the setup process that was designed for the consumer to be really, really, really seamless. And again, aside from the shouting, like it was incredibly seamless. Like if I was trying to do some, basically if I was trying to connect to this, um, the way I connect to an old school security camera that doesn't give you, you know, backdoor access over some server, it it would have been way more complicated um, and it would have taken me more time. I would have had to configure it myself. This automated almost every part of configuration. But it also took so much information that I was alarmed to even let this thing run on my phone. And I don't think that that's even necessarily like like malicious by design. It could be negligent, but it was still, as a security person, very concerning to see all these permissions like scrolling through my phone and be like, oh my God, like why would you ever need to know that or do that? Like, who are you calling? Like, why does my light bulb need to make phone calls? Like, what? Like, so that was my experience setting it up. It, it gave me almost uh, maybe two or three minutes it took me to set this thing up. Um, so like incredibly convenient. But, you know, now anybody um, on the other end of the server has access to this camera in my room. Oh, it also what? has a, a microphone and a speaker so they can shout at me and they can listen <laughs> to me. So I don't know which Chinese is pre-recorded and which could be live somebody at that company shouting at me through my light bulb. Oh yeah, so it has the speaker because you can talk. I can be like, "Thief, get the... out, get out of my house! I see you!" And they'll be like, is, "What the is, hell?" And they'll. Is that useful? <laughs> um, if this didn't sell all my like, basically give a direct line into my living room to whoever the hell runs a server, this would be super useful. 
Um, I could pop it out my front door and make sure that people aren't stealing my packages. It's so cheap uh, and networkable that like you can add multiple ones. The I mean the the problem is like it is so much information and so much access to give someone to the inside of your house, even even to the outside of your house. That I don't think I would ever seriously consider using this product on a on a daily basis because it's just too big of a risk. Hmm. But um, is it? But would I stick it on someone else's network? Hell yeah. If I was on, <laughs> at like a construction site with like a McDonald's nearby, um, I would plug this thing in and just get a 24 hour like live stream camera of that block or that building or whatever. And nobody, I mean, you know, I mean, someone would notice eventually it looks messed up, but if there was like a shroud uh, over like part of it or whatever, or like it wasn't super obvious, the camera is really good. I got the, the upgraded version that isn't like the cheapest camera. It's like the second cheapest camera. And it's to the point that you can zoom in and you can really get a good view of people's faces. Like you can, uh, you can really see a lot. So it's, um, I would totally use it on other people's network. Just not mine. Um, well, how would you feel like knowing that, um, um, kindergartens had a uh, dozen of these cameras everywhere. Well, I mean, it provides oversight to kindergarten. I don't know what they're doing in there that would like be a okay, secret. Okay, so they uh, let's they say, give the let's they say, give the access to the parents. Let's say the changing room of a kindergarten that would concern me greatly. I don't think that these light bulbs should be in there at all. Um, it, within like the regular i mean i guess that's kind of creepy or using it as like a baby monitor like that's creepy like letting random strangers watch your child and speak to them directly through the you know the light bulb that seems like a bad idea especially because you know somebody's going to figure out how to play never going to give you up through all of these at the same time so every everywhere you have a light bulb is instantly going to be exposed so somebody's going to find this chinese server it's going to have no password on it and they're just going to play they're just going to make it rickroll everyone at the same time or something so It's not sneaky, it's not secure, and anybody can probably connect to it, depending on the security of the server, which you have no way of checking for yourself. Okay, so, um, because I know that kin kindergartens, uh, there is, or at least there's a company that operates multiple kindergartens, and they do this, they have IP cameras, and they give access to the parents to to watch them, but they can watch all the other kids as well, obviously, because it's right, just cameras right. placed in every room. Don't and know why. Uh, the only the only reason uh, I know about this is because another guy from my server uh, was curious and uh, just digged through IoT devices on Shodan and found these uh, cameras with default access, like like admin admin as login. Well, that's, I mean, and, I think you mean your friend uh, knows someone that did that, because obviously even logging with default credentials can get you in trouble, but go on. <laughs> obviously. Right. right. I'm not name We heard a rumor about this. Na name dropping anything here. But uh, yeah, um, I mean, it wasn't unethical because uh, he he contacted the, them and let them know and they shut it down. So good. Oh, that's good. We, were, we weren't just creeping... Uh, around, <laughs> uh, but letting them know. But dude, that is that is uh, that's creepy as fuck. I mean, even even doing this with a secure login, I think this is creepy as fuck. I'm sorry, I've been desensitized by Shodan. Um, I like the, the amount of cameras. I one time on Shodan, I found a camera with no login credentials that was in someone's bedroom with a night vision camera in like Brazil, 
it had pan, it had pan tilt oh zoom. God. So I pressed back and forth. The camera moved back and forth. I turned the night vision on. It flashed on, and then the person in in the bed woke up and looked in the camera, and I disconnected. <laughs> and I never did that shit again. Oh my god! <laughs> so after that, nothing creeps me out. That was the worst for me. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, that's next level. Wow. <laughs> Why would you have a security camera in your bedroom pointing at you while you're sleeping? <laughs> That was just that wasn't my fault. Somebody set that up. I was set up on that one. Oh my god! <laughs> oh yeah, Sheldon is uh, fun. It's a trap. But yeah, those weren't those weren't cameras that could speak back to you. But um, like old, outdated IP cameras with default login credentials. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you have these IoT devices everywhere now, and uh, hmm, not sure. Well, I guess they at least connect back to an account you create. Uh, so that mm, that makes it a bit better. So people can't just screw, search through Shodan to hack it, maybe. Uh, it's mm. questionable. Depends, I guess. It's maybe it opens another port or something. Well, um, setting up my light bulbs. Um, similar experience, just without the Chinese shouting, because they <laughs> don't have a speaker. Um but I don't know. I I found it incredibly inconvenient, uh, just because of this uh, scenario. Uh, I want to just plug in my light and change the color. Great. Now I have to download this weird Chinese app, um, create an account, give it access to all my data. Uh, then I had to yeah scroll through the products to find the lamp. And then I wanted to um, connect to it and it wasn't working uh, because it told me that it requires a 2.4 gigahertz network and that my network uh, wasn't. The thing is my network is uh, has both, uh, like a lot of networks these days. But it just, it, it just refused to uh, acknowledge that my network has 2.4 gigahertz as well. It just are, saw wait, that I'm your, connecting to five. Two, are your two networks named the same or are they named different? Yeah. Same name. Well, that's same. that's why. <laughs> okay, but go on. Yeah, but that's a stupid <laughs> app. Then it it was just oh, you're connected to five gigahertz. We we can't. This this won't work. And I'm just yeah, but the same network name exists with two point four. You fucking app connect to the lamp, and it just wasn't working. And then I uh, I think I restarted <laughs> the app a couple of times, and then randomly it started working, even though I was still connected to the five gigahertz thing. <sighs> Yeah, and then well, I gave my lo- uh, Wi-Fi credentials to that to that weird lamp that probably sent it off to China, and I could use it. But I don't know, weird. Uh, I uh, this is not good user experience though. If uh, if uh, it already freaks out over a dual band Wi-Fi connection, but yeah. I mean, it at mm-hmm. least it works. It works. Yeah, once you have set it up, it's uh, usable. <laughs> Not like this other one uh, with the AC. I I think it's oh. it's it's a bit weird because it doesn't even show the Wi-Fi networks. It it it's supposed to list the Wi-Fi networks nearby, you know, to select which one to connect, uh, but it doesn't because uh, I think to scan that you need the location permission. That actually, by the way, that's why they are asking for the location permission. Because um, if you want to scan Wi-Fi and Bluetooth stuff with an Android yeah. app, you need the location permission. So yeah, because you can also um, find out the location 
just for yeah the i'm really good at that <laughs> yeah 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 i mean yes but that, that's the point that they are not necessarily using your gps location they but are... they can once they get the permission there's no reason not to yeah 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 but they without the permission they can't scan for wi-fi networks so yeah and then the it doesn't even list the thing because it probably doesn't request the permission or I don't know. It's 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 weird. But you also have to register. So last year, uh, when it was working, when you registered, there was a uh, the app, but there was also a web interface, which was I don't know. It, it was like a bootstrap Chinese website. <laughs> so you log in and then you have the AAC and it's all in Chinese. But you, if you manage to find the buttons, then it works. But but it's just you know there is no documentation or anything so it's just luck if you manage to get it working there should be like an open source something for these yes open source uh that's the last point uh so we're gonna talk about that later should we uh the next point would be privacy security and the difference between it oh yeah yeah yeah. So so Oh, um, so there's the <laughs> security risk that these devices present, and then there's the privacy risk that these devices present. And they are distinct and kind of come from different motivations. The privacy risk comes from them making more money off of selling your data than actually selling you the product. And the security risk comes from the ability to do whatever the hell they want on your network and basically allowing a rogue device on your network with zero accountability. And also the ability to update itself arbitrarily. Uh, or very or well <laughs> also be updated by someone who is not the person who's supposed to update it. That is also yes. a very real problem. So um, it was it was Amazon Alexa, right? That uh, was in the news uh, recently or in the past weeks that they actually listened or they they save all the conversations you had with Alexa and uh, like a t- uh, team in some third world country, like people just. Listen through it and type what you said Ooh, so they can I improve their that AI. article. Huh? Or I, I remember, did I send? It? I, I was reading. About Might that. be. Yeah, but that was a long few months that's, ago. That's that's a privacy thing. Like yeah. uh, even even if your thing is uh, super secure, uh, which it can never be, but <laughs> let's say uh, it's at least secure from hacks or whatever, uh, from yeah uh, third party hacks. Um, Actually, Google is also then doing. putting something uh, which is essentially a computer connected to the internet to control uh, over the internet externally f- through a cloud uh, is always a privacy risk. Uh, the question you should ask yourself is: uh, Is it worth it? And what kind of data is it leaking? Is is it just a light bulb? Then it probably isn't leaking that much data. I mean, it could theoretically. Oh, it totally uh, could collect. It could it collect could a shit collect- ton of data. Uh, yeah, shit ton of metadata. It could sniff, but if it you, could, no, it could sniff like DNS packets. It could do all sorts of stuff once it's connected to your Wi-Fi and like knows the password. It doesn't even yeah. need to decrypt those things itself. It can just forward the traffic. Exactly, but that's just uh, that's just one of the things. Um, like, yeah, that's just the thing that has Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. What about things that um, control your thermostat? It knows the room temperature as well. Uh, plus all that metadata. What if you have something that is a speaker or has a microphone, uh, or uh, in your case, uh, a camera as well? 
So well, you, it just, adds up, you know? Just using Google Assistant. Let's say that you just have light bulbs and you control them with Google Assistant. Uh, if you go to your Google Assistant on Google and then look at all the like, saved like uh, searches, it has audio clips of you interacting with it every time you've told it a command for your smart devices. So even if your lights are not recording anything about you, your commands to turn them on and off and all this other stuff, including background, ambient noise, who's with you, all this other stuff is saved on that server. And you know you don't know who has access to it. On top of that, it gets triggered by accident all the time. So when I went and checked mine, there was like a seven or not seven. I think it was more like a like a minute and like 17 second um, phone conversation that I was having where I triggered the assistant and it was just listening to me and it saved that conversation to the, uh, to the like assistant, like history. So I had like maybe like four or five, six, like irrelevant conversations that it started recording by accident that were super long and had a bunch of personal, not that much personal information, but still details. I wouldn't just tell a random stranger or think was being recorded just because it accidentally started recording what I was saying. Yeah, but uh, yeah, actually, everyone is doing. Amazon is also doing this th- that we talked about that they review these uh, voice histories. So for quality quality purposes, I think so they you know there is the thing that the AI predicted what the user said, and there is the audio, and these people are listening to the audio and confirming if if the voice recognition worked that well well or not. Mm. And uh, with Amazon, Amazon, they are actually listening to the same. They are listening to the actual voice with like some personal data, I think. But with Google and Apple, I think they are doing the same thing. But they have, I think, Google have the voices like disorted. So and and it's like uh, there is no personal data when they are listening to it. So I think they are trying to. But oh yeah, of course there is all your data, so you so can my- really know for sure. My way of like holding a magnifying glass up to this is like, what if you were accused of a crime? What evidence could be used against you and what evidence could be used to exonerate you? So people get screwed over by like their like Fitbit and stuff all the time. They're like, oh, I was sleeping at the time of the murder. Like, why was your heart rate jacked up? And why were you violently like moving around? Like according to your Fitbit at the time of the murder, those sorts of things are 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 interesting because these devices are collecting forensic data on you. So, you know, okay, your light bulbs, like, does it, does it matter that they record maybe the IP address where the command was issued from telling whether you were home or not? Or if somebody knows, you know, when you're turning your lights on and off, like if it knows when someone knows when you're home or not, um, is that important to you? Like every time you interact with these devices, like you're leaving a log and how far that log goes depends on the way the devices are configured. Like if I'm turning on my lights and it's over a local network, work via a Philips Hue system, then the only person that knows I turn on my lights is me. But if I'm doing it through Google Assistant, it sends it to a server in China, and then it comes back, you know, to my light, then there's three people that know that I turn my light on. Myself, Google, and China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's a lot of metadata when you think about it. Like, it really does start to add up. It's like, if you you have somebody who has access to diverse sources of data about you and wants to pin down what you're doing and when, they could just look at the metadata and and figure out pretty quickly, like, what you've been up to because of all these touch points uh, just in order to use the device. So, you know, while I'm arguing for these things being more convenient, it's also, if you look at all the fingerprints on the data... It, it it gets it gets smudged real fast because like everybody's touching it in order to just do a very simple thing. What can I say? <laughs> That's pretty much my point, right? I don't want to let this in my home. It's just 
takes all the privacy away. So even if um, even if this thing is secure, then well, you always still have that privacy risk. And I don't see the I I don't see the convenience factor being bigger than the privacy. Oh yeah, I think if people just know, uh, like like if yeah. The, the normal consumer that buys these products probably don't really knows about this it should, background stuff. It should have a fucking sticker on it that says where yes. your data goes and what data that's, is taken. If, it, if it's like this product like uh, like sends uh, basic user data to a server in China, it records when you co- when you do a command, what your credentials are and this. People, I mean, of course, they're not going to put that on the product because nobody would buy it. But it would be a more honest way for consumers to make decisions about privacy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, GDPR would probably have some rules about, rules about this. But considering that the AC app just turns off if you select Europe, looks like they kind of solve it. By <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I feel like if people knew more about how these were these things work, they they wouldn't just buy them without thinking. And maybe a, a good idea would be, um, but that would require the government, uh, and the government would never do something uh, which is against the industry, right? Uh, that they were that they uh, put yeah sticker or maybe just a little visual explanation how these things work and, and how the communication between them work you know like a little little drawing okay here's the person here's your device here's a server here's another server and then it goes back and forth that kind of thing and then which servers is it talking to where are these servers located uh, just a little basic info uh, about that and they should also <laughs> if we're already talking about this topic, uh, include a lifespan. Let's say this product, uh, uh, um, yeah, goes bad in two years. Why? Because in two years the company uh, won't provide updates anymore, and mm. then they should be forced to supply uh, security updates for these two years. And if they don't, they then you can sue them. Oh God! That that should. That should be. Oh God! That's like nobody really would, necessary. Nobody would ever make light bulbs again if you made them do all that shit. Because then right, you're asking yeah. them to start a security company. Yeah, but they. I mean, basic security updates should be provided. It should if be. they know. But if, if they, they are they taking know, products that already exist, that most of these already come with a mobile application. By the time the manufacturers get them, they're like, they're just like, oh, this is an add-on board to whatever your dumb product is. It comes with a mobile application to control it. Just change these variables, and boom, you got it. So they're okay. not they're not in the business of pushing out security updates. They want to provide a one-time product that works in its current state, and they may or may not ever provide updates for it. You know, most pro- most people don't even check to see if something's going to be supported. Um, then then put a sticker on it that says that you will never get security updates but then the user at least knows right you know then they the, can compare and they can see that expensive philip Hue lights and see oh they provide uh, they they promised me five years of updates yeah because the way they are set up is way easier and they will have less work to do to provide these updates meanwhile that chinese lamp will probably never get updates because it's just too much work and it doesn't make any profit if they would do that yeah. yeah, and kind of a good worst case scenario also to just kind of illustrate what can happen is, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but did you hear that the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which I've been to before but had nothing to do with this, um, was breached <laughs> by a Raspberry Pi that was what? connected no. to their network incorrectly. Well, it basically wasn't audited properly. It was a compromised device. 
you know, essentially an IoT device just connected over its Wi-Fi network. And uh, yeah, that's how they got breached. Uh, they lost a bunch of data about the Mars mission. They think it was China. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't I didn't hear of that. Um, it came out semi-recently. I just remember because uh, I went to a cybersecurity seminar there uh, maybe a year ago. Um, and I got to hear, I got to meet the director of cybersecurity there. I hope he is um, fine. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> actually, I'm pretty sure he's not fine because uh, the audits was pretty scathing about their their security there. But, um, hmm. well, well, that's why you don't um, connect a Raspberry Pi to a highly sensitive network or really any other IoT device. Yeah, you don't know who yeah. it's calling out to. So, um, we kind of already dived into this updates topic, um. Most IoT devices provide either a convenient automatic updates or super annoying manually updates. And um, yeah, manually updates are usually more secure, though when I think of the examples like that music box you described earlier. Oh, um, fuck. Hell no. They're just vulnerable to different things. One of them is vulnerable to a local attack where the attacker is nearby you and can manipulate the Wi-Fi network it's connected to. And one of them is vulnerable to a remote attack where somebody figures out the update server and then pushes a malicious update to every single one of these dumb devices. They're both bad. Uh, And then both of them will get you, you know, attacked. But I think the second one is probably more dangerous to the average person because it's a mass attack that's not targeted. It doesn't require somebody to be near you. Um, you know, having a device... And you won't notice. Exactly, and you won't notice because you didn't do anything wrong, per se. I mean, in both cases, you didn't really do anything wrong. Um, in the case of the of attacking the device it, that's either misconfigured or it's connected to a weak Wi-Fi network, then you sort of did something wrong. But in the case that, you know, the automatic update server is just compromised and malicious updates get sent out to every single one of them, then um, you did nothing wrong at all. You have you could have a perfect network t- completely set up, and then suddenly this thing upgrades itself to be like the most malicious device ever. Does whatever thing it's going to do, exploits two year computers, has them call back you know the the command server, and then rolls itself back. And you're like, how the hell did I get infected? What did I click on? It's like it's you know it's it's your light bulb punking you. You know like that that sucks. Yeah, yeah, so automatic updates can be dangerous just because of, uh, especially if I think of these lamps, uh, people can, uh, or the, the Chinese or uh, attacker with a fake access point, they can push um, a spoofed update that would install and they could uh, re- reinstall the old firmware like a day later or something. So it would collect for a certain amount of time the data they, they want and then they would could just reflash the old firmware and the user would never notice because it's an automatic update and you don't even notice when it's updating. And that's a thing a lot of IoT devices do well, now. Well, let me put this in the context of a nation-state attack. Let's say that I'm North Korea and I want to take advantage of Bluekeep. You, you guys are familiar with Bluekeep? Um, mm-hmm. Bluekeep is that big new vulnerability that the NSA disclosed and they're like pissed about it. They're just like, hey guys, somebody found out about this and so now we can't use it. So be aware, everyone's computer's fucked and you got to update. Um, it's, oh. <laughs> it's like, it's a really big remote vulnerability in a lot of Windows computers. Let's say that I'm North Korea and this time I don't want to get caught for being stupid and just attacking everything directly. I want to use IOT devices I've compromised in a botnet to spread the infection instead. 
So what I do is I update all these stupid light bulbs to basically push the vulnerability, basically first scan for and then push this vulnerability that's widespread and is technically like a zero day because not many people have had a chance to, to apply the update, find all the vulnerable computers, push the infection, and then disappear. So the end result is suddenly, you know, there's 100,000 infected computers all over the world. No one has any idea how they got that way. And the infection vector is a zero-day exploit that's delivered from an IoT device that's on the network that's vulnerable. That would be a way of proxying an attack that didn't lead back directly to your IP address. You would have a malicious IoT device carrying out the attack. And then, you know, these computers start you know, connecting to random control command and control servers around the world. And you're like, how the hell is this happening? But it could be, you know, a vector, especially if you have a zero day that's spreadable over a local network. Um, you could have a nation state take advantage of these insecure updates to roll out a huge attack that's proxied through these IoT devices. Yeah. Talking about insecure updates, um, you know, the Xiaomi scooter? Yes. I mean, yes. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah. So, so because I was, I, I thought it's cool. So I just started googling about it like a few months ago, and there is an article about, uh, from Zimperium, the cyber security company. They just did some kind of research on it, and they discovered that there is no authentication. There is basically nothing on the Bluetooth uh, thing. So. Uh, that that means that uh, anyone can log in onto the Bluetooth. There is no password required, and can flash an update. <laughs> this is, but but there, this is where the problem begins. That um, so you can flash an update. There is not. It's not verifying it or anything. So you can flash a new firmware onto the scooter while it's running. So they <laughs> did they did a demo uh, where they made an app, a POC app that scans for nearby scooters and then uh, you can flash a firmware on them you select it and then it flashes a firmware which uh, disables the acceleration so uh, you flash the firmware and it stops that's because, great uh, but, the, and, but this can like go the other, be gone. this can go the other way around so you can also flash a firmware which mm, goes max throttle and this want- is really it's dangerous. I want a pair of shoes, like a pair of sneakers that use like a little piezo. So every time, you know, like those shoes that light up when you, when you walk, I want that yeah. except it disables scooters. So like anytime you run, <laughs> the force is converted into Bluetooth low energy pulses that just flash firmware and, and make all scooters around you slowly come to a halt. And that's your superpower. Yeah. But you know, I, I mean, I mean, I think it's really, really worrying. I mean, we are talking about lights and stuff that's fine if they you know they disable it or something but with the scooter you are going in actual uh traffic so you it's not like if, if someone stops you in the middle of the traffic that's dangerous yep or if so- someone goes me- full throttle with you and th- that's just because uh, these people are i don't know they develop it not really caring about security because it's just a scooter but first of all why do you need i was looking for a solution of how to turn off bluetooth and i i don't think you can what do you mean on the scooter yeah no you can't it's your only way of interfacing with it it's a smart scooter that's unlocked by bluetooth by that's like the way the model is can't you just push the button on the 
No, it's it's unlocked the way it's sold. It comes with um, usually it comes with either an NFC token or a Bluetooth unlock, and it's like the the way that you prevent other people from stealing it is like a Bluetooth lock. That's the way it's sold. So the fact that the Bluetooth lock is screwed up is really funny. Yeah, I mean, I, it it's talking about that there is some kind of authentication, but it doesn't really check it. So, or maybe it's only on the firmware upgrade, but I don't know. But then after it, after this, uh, I was looking on Reddit to, you know, how people, how scared people are. And they are pretty chill because actually they are using it. So the people who own the Xiaomi thing, they're actually third party apps like Xiaomi Flasher app on the Play Store that you can download. And I looked at there is a YouTube tutorial on how to increase maximum speed. And then it downloads a, a, a firmware from fucking, um, what, what's the name of that? Mediafire. So you download oh. the a firmware oh. from Mediafire and then you flash it and then it oh increases the max speed. And scooter malware, imagine. scooter but, malware. But At come, a moment's notice, they can send one code that shuts down all the scooters and gives everyone a concussion. Yeah, but or at a synchronized really. time, at a synchronized date, everyone's scooter abruptly stops at the same time. I, I, this is really scary. I mean, the fact that I, I would never flash like firmware from some unknown, some someone. I mean, what if that guy who made the overclock, speed overclock, like put some kind of bug um, uh, into the firmware and then you are going with like max speed and it just fucks up in the middle of the road? What do you do then? I mean, this is this is really dangerous. What, they should like put some kind of check so it, it when a new update comes, it checks if it's from Xiaomi or something, at, at least. You know, like... Oh yeah, right, this is... This is common practice with modern software, but but these IoT uh, or these just embedded systems often, yeah, um, they don't use that. They don't. They just yeah. slap something together that works and call it a day. You know. Yeah. So, so <laughs> it's if, weird. If someone is listening and have this scooter, then you should kind of be aware of this. I think because. Yeah, I, I I was definitely I was thinking about you know how cool would it be to have some kind of scooter like electric scooter, but after this I I don't really I don't really want to get. I mean, of course, probably no one is going to hack the scooter, but still, I don't know. I would get one just to hack it myself. I would never do that. You would never get one. Ne- never. You we talked about this. You would just Sh- uh, Stefan. <laughs> okay Let's i'm not gonna continue move on <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah we're gonna talk uh, talk about this maybe another time what? Uh, scooters are a topic uh, of itself oh. by the way i just want to notice um since uh cody you you told me um i i or i told you that they kind of yeah i've they legalized scooters, like like renting scooters, and that. I mean, legalized sounds wrong. I mean, it probably was legal before, but they put the right. Um, they changed the law, so it's easy now, basically. Yeah. Um, and uh, you said they gonna uh, like spread fast, and uh, y- you are right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Do you remember the time before the scooters were there? Because you will, it'll, it's gonna be gone. They're so aggressive with how they roll those things out. Where do you see them? Is it the metro stations? Um, I I haven't. Yeah, okay. Look, I haven't seen them here, but uh, in my my town. But um, 
yeah, I have seen them in, in other cities and people complaining about them in my Twitter feed very aggressively as well. Very funny. So, uh, very funny. Wait. Yeah, you'll you'll see them. They're yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll move we'll, we'll do a different let me, let's do a different podcast on scooters because like I yeah. have so much to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you must be holding back. That's so hard. Wait, there, let me let me just add something that there is a mitigation for it if you have the scooter. The, if you Google the Zipperium uh, article, it says that uh, you can uh, defend yourself if you if you connect your app you yeah if you keep the app connected if you keep your mobile or the app connected i think but you should read on this I, i'm not sure how it works but if you keep the app connected then it shouldn't be able to flash a firmware someone someone else shouldn't be able to flash a firmware so <laughs> you should ride around with great, the with, great the, fix. with the this is not a f- yeah i think <laughs> someone just kind of work around out. yeah if some i think i think if one device is connected then the other one can't but you know, it was just really weird because um, I read about it and it was fine. But then after it, I watched the tutorial on YouTube. There is a LED screen on the on the scooter which shows you the battery life, and the guy did like a modification where it, he replaced it with like a fancy LED which shows the speed and everything. And uh, then he just said, "Okay, we need to flash a custom firmware," and there was no authentication or anything. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> so it's just like. Uh, common practice i think to to flash these but this is a really really bad security practice so next our next point is uh, surveillance uh and if smart home is making a surveillance state reality yeah so my thought is um in by themselves no but when you have all this data that we were talking about and all this access that we were talking about, like updates, for example, there are some countries that require that companies comply with orders that may not be um, <laughs> fair or maybe very invasive towards people's privacy. Uh, so if you have a smart, if you have a subject, uh, maybe a, a protester, and they're using smart home devices. And you, the government, threaten to put this company in jail if they don't give you access to that person's smart devices. Um, you can do a lot of damage, especially if you have, for example, government malware that could be loaded onto these types of devices in order to do things like a tomato or the uh, a cherry tree project that um, uh, that the CIA was involved in, where they basically changed people's routers to turn them into spying devices so that they wouldn't need to spy on them. Uh, they just automated it by making their own devices turn against them. So there's a very real risk, I feel like, of governments um, or even you know other groups using smart devices or the data that they gather to monitor, harass, or um, you know otherwise target people that don't deserve to be targeted. Private companies could abuse this as well. Absolutely, yeah. Theori- theoretically, I've, was there was there ever a case where this happened? Well, there's okay. So one thing I'm noticing is there's a trend in smart home products that are inside the home towards facial recognition, where they offer the Ooh. ability to recognize when someone is in your home that's not supposed to be there. That's on the consumer side of things very convenient. You know if somebody's in your home that isn't supposed to be there, and you also get fewer false positives because you know it'll recognize people that are supposed to be there and it won't send you alerts. Um, it's kind of hilarious when you see, you know, like posters and other like faces triggering of uh, that. 
there was yeah. like somebody who like I think like it snowed in their backyard and the way the snow melted made a face. So their outside camera was freaking out all day, telling them that there was someone lurking outside their house, but it was literally just snow that looked like a face. That's funny, but at the same time, it's building a record of everyone's face who's been in that home. That's alarming as hell. Where is that going? And is that, do they have the ability to sell those faces or the hash of those faces to other people? Is your face or the hash of your face something that could be sold to a company that, um, you know, is selling things in stores and then provides that hash to the store so that they recognize your taste when you walk into the store? That sounds like capitalism to me. So, I mean, mm. you know, a private company could definitely be like, oh, I have the hash of, of everybody in this house. I know what kind of products they're interested in. I can sell the ability to recognize that person when they walk into your store by selling this hash. Why not? Is there a law against it? Nope. Cody, you sound so negative. I, Maybe we should move to a more positive topic. Well, I just want to I just want to make a product <laughs> that takes people's faces and sells it. It just sounds like such a good idea now. I mean, cuz I've I've also argued about uh, this sort of like facial recognition thing. You know, if somebody uh, you can create private blacklists and then sell them to people. You can create private whitelists yeah. and sell them to people. So when you have smart home products that are, are doing facial recognition stuff, that to me is one of the most alarming things because you're creating a, a list of people's faces that have entered your home. There's no more, you know, like there's a lot of private stuff that IoT devices can slurp up. But that I feel like is one of the most, you know, knowing when you're home, knowing who you're with and when you're with. Aside from full-on monitoring everything you do, in terms of metadata, facial hashes are one of the scariest things I feel like could be collected from you by like an IoT system, especially one yeah, with maybe a, a misconfigured server or something that leaves that data exposed. Biometric data in general. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. what are you going to change your face? Like, you know, some of this <laughs> other stuff you can, you can repair, uh, but like, one, you know, of, of hash of your face... Um, that can be like, you know, put into any security camera running the software and recognize you anywhere. Like that's creepy. Yeah. Every, everything you said is absolutely true. <laughs> and this is really, if you think about it, it's really a dystopian world we already live in and it's going to get worse. It's just like layers of abstraction, you know, you have like, you have what's possible based on the technology. And it's like, if you have automated facial recognitions, actually, you and I have been talking a little bit about the, um, the ESP32, and it has a new facial recognition kit. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I hope to get a sample from them so we can play with it a little bit. But, you know, these facial recognition things that IoT devices are powerful enough to do now really, really like make the, the question about surveillance state a, a different thing. Like now you have a camera in your home that automatically processes. It doesn't even need to send a live video feed for processing anywhere. It just needs to send metadata from the facial hashes it takes itself. That to me is crazy. You know, the fact that you can have a small device in your home, like be able to like do the majority of the work um, of spying on you and then send just a tiny little bit of data back that really means a lot. Like that's, that's, um, that is what I feel like these devices are enabling that could lead to a surveillance state. Because, again, you don't know if the company that is providing your smart home services so that you can use the app wherever you are has been subpoenaed or whatever the Chinese equivalent of that is um, for access to your data or access to someone else's yeah. data, you know, or and you on a private level, you don't know if that company is selling your data or not securing it properly. So those are things that could definitely use to be let, used to like surveil people in a way in the United States to probably sell them products or defraud them, and then in other places to control them or attack political opponents. I, I find it fascinating having uh, face recognition running on something that's $5 and right? how easy it is to do now. It's, it's fascinating from a technology side, 
But also, I don't want to use this. This is creeping me out. Like, what oh. kind of camera you use it with? Uh, some cheap. There are so many cheap cameras now. Uh, what does it like, do? Is it like tracking your face or like recognizing separate people? It does two uh, things. It's just it does recognizing. No, it does detection and recognition. So first, it does the the detection, and then once it takes the sample, it puts it into like a weird like neural network that they program that actually does detection against a, a fairly narrow set of people. Oh, okay. Hmm. So yeah, but the good thing is. All those products are safe because uh, they are tested and certified, right? Yes, of course. All the certifications are 100% real and mean something. Yeah. So that 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 was my second try to try and, uh, for a transition to our next point, product safety. Because uh, the market is flooded with cheap IoT stuff from China. And a lot of it is not certified at all. And some of it... Well, it has some certification printed onto it, but it just, it, it was never certified. You that's know? that's uh, so true. That's so true. The smart, FCC certifications are just like a stamp. CE, same, same in Europe with the CE. You open some of these cheap um, power plug uh, thingies and um, uh, turns out they are not isolated uh, very well and you could easily electrocute yourself. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't buy it. I was I was actually going to buy one of those RGB smart power plugs to put a D offer onto it or something because hey <laughs> RGB. But then I read then I read a product review where one guy actually opened it because he also wanted to program it and said, well, first of all, to get access to the hardware, you have to break it. That was already why I didn't buy it. But then he he talked about the, the tech behind it and how it was not connected right and how it could easily kill yourself. And then I was like, okay, nope, no smart power plug for me. <laughs> I've seen a huge variety. You've grabbed a bunch of these smart IoT light bulbs as well. And the way that they're put together is so random. Like some of them put them together right? really well. Other people use just a crap ton of epoxy. I've gotten versions that are like put together mostly with like heat paste. Um, it's really, oh God, dude. It's really weird. I had some of these lamps. They have the the PCBs not um, screwed anywhere, so they um, uh, they could easily uh, move a bit inside. And the 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 metal, which I guess should be to um, yeah used probably as a heatsink as well and for safety and stuff. Uh, that metal is conductive, so um, yeah, that that there is a tiny uh, power supply. Uh, regulating that, uh, what what do you guys have? 110, 20 volts in the US, and here it's 230 volts oh, fuck. from the power outlet to three volts, 230 to three volts in a tiny, cheap like these light. These lights cost five dollars or something. You, just imagine the quality of power supply in there. It, yeah, and then imagine that this is tangling in in the body of that light bulb. Uh, surrounded by metal that is conductive and that you are touching when you screw this in. <laughs> uh, that's pretty terrifying. Yeah, you. one thing yeah. you should be aware of is like you should not operate any of these um, in an environment that's critical. You should not operate any of these in an environment where it can get hot and that would be a huge problem just because they're made cheaply. Like It's kind of a race to the bottom. So a lot of these devices, especially if you get them on AliExpress, are just like 
really cheaply made and do present some sort of uh, risk if they're not properly. I mean, if you open them up, sometimes you damage them to inspect them. But when you look inside, you can see just a lot of like hot glue and like other things that could be a real issue if you need reliability because hot glue on a hot thing gets hot and (laughs) uh, comes unstuck. And then you have A, hot glue sticking things together that might not need to be stuck together and B, things that were supposed to be stuck coming unstuck. So that's fun. I tried to hot glue a pin header in my lamp. Uh, didn't work because I noticed the lamp gets hot. And hot glue, when it gets hot, well, <laughs> you get the point. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so another thing that has to do with the product safety and these certifications is, as we were going to say next, environmental impact. Because these things don't stick around for very long. They are basically as good as the cheapest component. And as soon as the cheapest component fails, all the rest of it fails. And you could have, you know, a board that works perfectly well. But like you said, the power source could be the cheapest possible one they had laying around. And as soon as that dies, the whole thing stops working. And if they have epoxy covering this stuff, then there's literally no way for you to repair it if you wanted to. Yeah, I mean, normal light bulbs can live very long, can. Uh, I mean, they, they are made to live not as long as they could because companies still want to make money but still normal light bulbs will live will outlive smart light bulbs oh, just definitely. because of the the tech that is in smart light bulbs it's crazy there's so and many that, that points is, of failure yeah and the tech uh, putting this smart tech in the light bulbs uh, alone is uh, creating a huge environmental impact and then th- uh, thinking about that most people will probably uh, switch them out for a new smart light bulb after well, five years maybe, if if they work for five years. If I think about these Chinese cheap light bulbs, not sure if they will even last five years. So, yeah, it's really not good for the environment, a lot of these things. Uh, and how, well, long, how long are they running the servers? Yeah, that's a really good right. point. So updates that uh, and, and support for these products. If you have a product that has to call outside your Wi-Fi network and that company shuts down, as David has seen, it does not work anymore. Uh, at least from the Wi-Fi interface, you're going to have to use something else that can communicate directly with it, like a remote. Yeah, so yeah. that's, that's and- pretty bad. And you don't know when the company is going to shut down or... You know, they can just decide that they are not not enough people are using this specific light bulb. So why not just shut down the server? I know we're talking about IoT devices, but this is actually a way bigger problem for medical devices. Um, Because all these companies make, I mean, IoT devices, but medical devices too, that are basically, you know, IoT things that connect via Bluetooth or, or whatever else so you can configure them. And then the company goes out of business. And you have people with this thing literally implanted inside them. So at least you could remove an oh IoT God. device that's not useful anymore. <laughs> I haven't thought about that yet. That's that's uh, scary. But yeah, the the point is like the product, the technology around it isn't going to be around forever, and then the updates around it aren't going to be around forever. So if yep. you, if you have what? something that relies on both of those things to continue being useful, then you're going to have a bad time eventually. It's just not you know you you start adding on things to make it more complicated. You start making ways to break it essentially. Uh, one thing that may sound not very realistic yet, but um. What if you spend like thousand bucks to make your whole smart home light up? You know, you put all these smart light bulbs everywhere and you buy these expensive ones and and whatnot. And they rely on Wi-Fi or maybe Bluetooth. And then what? Then uh, 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi dies 
because in 10 years no one's gonna use that anymore. And your products maybe still be updated or, or they are built in a way that maybe doesn't require that many updates anyway, but they are sec still secure. They are still all working. You spend a lot of money uh, building your smart home with these devices. But, um, but then your point of failure is maybe your router because uh, 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi routers aren't produced anymore and you want to update. And then you have to, you can maybe still keep it running, but you have to uh, still have your old router running besides your new one because otherwise it won't work. And well, then maybe your phone doesn't support well, it. Well, I have a less theoretical example. Ah. What if you want to switch to WPA3? Yeah. Yeah, actually, right. Basically, um, any device that that isn't upgraded to work with WPA3 will cease to work. So if you want to step into having new security and all these other great features, you're oh going to have to have a secondary network to make all your shit work. I never thought of this. This is so great. I mean, WPA3 is not really that good anyway, but it is Better. a significant upgrade. Yeah. Um, but it still has a lot of things where everyone is like, why didn't you fix this? But okay, this is a topic for its own also um but yeah i haven't thought about this we we have so many little uh, iot and and all these tiny computers everywhere and they connect over wi-fi and you just cannot upgrade your your network to wpa3 you have to do both sides you have to config you have to adjust the device to use wpa3 and your network so if you're only doing one of them then they're using different protocols it won't work so you can essentially if these devices aren't updated to use wpa3 they will not work without having a second, less secure network running, which is a huge risk for also, no reason. I, I, think, I think most of these light bulbs, even if WPA3 is out for like, I don't know, a year already, they are probably not going to use it because that's like a lot of work to implement. Uh, or I don't know, maybe if the ESPs implement the WPA3. But, you know, if the Chinese companies have to make the update, they are just not going to, right? Yeah, they're not going to, because they've yeah. already moved on to the next profitable product. They're not making any money on these products anymore, so they don't want to support them. Yeah, yeah, they um, they just want to sell you the next best Exactly, thing. they yeah. want to sell you the next hardware that does support it, because it's more profitable. Hmm. But yeah, just um, if you really want to buy a smart home shit which i don't think you will after listening uh up to this point <laughs> uh one one thing that people keep forgetting is just the uh, environmental impact that this is creating i mean you um you hear that maybe you should buy or upgrade your smartphone that often because this is a huge it makes a huge environmental impact uh, the batteries alone the silicon that is used and everything and and how it's put together and shipped and just everything about it basically but these smart home devices, I feel like, um, depending on how you set up your home, might might be even worse. Yeah. I mean, you can though. You can you can use them to save power. Uh, we talked about this before with the, you know, smart power plugs, or they measure how much power you use, and you can optimize or you can turn off devices that you would otherwise forget to turn off. That can help. Um, so yeah, but just. I don't know. The thing I would someone... I would mention to anybody who's making that argument is just remember that these devices are not really off when you turn them off. They're still they're still drawing a little bit of current. They're still connected to Wi-Fi enough to be able to remotely control them. So just because you know just because you tell the device to turn off the light doesn't mean it's off the same way as you flipping the switch. There will still be some current drawn. So it's uh, people that think that you know you're actually turning it off. It's not. That's not right. It's still drawing power. 
Because if you turn it off, then you can turn it on again. Exactly. So if you actually flip the switch off, you cannot turn, you can't tell the light bulb to turn on. It's off. It's not listening. So it has to be, have some power in order to, you know, be listening for the command. And that in and of itself undermines the argument of saving power at least a little bit. Even though these do device, these devices can, if they're configured properly, just sip a very small amount of power to do so. And this, this comes back to the point where I feel like the product should have an explanation to to tell people how this works on the uh on 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 the uh, packaging or something because uh, normal people they won't they won't know this until they try out and then it's too late they or they maybe will never understand that the light is actually still drawing a lot of power because there's a wi-fi chip in there that's continuously sending data yeah <laughs> yeah yeah They, they just think, oh, I'm saving a lot of power now because I can control my lights and stuff. And they're actually not. And yeah, how, how would they know? It's not like the, uh, the company is selling uh, these things would tell the customer that. Hmm. But yeah, um, this is actually also a great transition to the media coverage, which doesn't talk about this stuff much, uh, the environmental impact and that stuff. I researched a lot for my video because I wanted to put these uh, articles uh Uh, yeah, in my video, and uh, I did, but I had, I really had a hard time uh, finding good articles about security and that stuff about these devices from, uh, yeah, trusted sources, you know, mm. like, like big names. I want to have something, I don't know, New York Times, something like this, right? Uh, most stuff I found when I searched for, for IoT, smart home, and tech, or whatever, um, are weird little blocks you never heard about that really raises the question if they're even credible uh, or just articles that weren't about security, but they were just hyping, uh, you know, oh, look at this new smart home and whatnot. They were just listed there. It was My Google search was flooded with articles, videos and, and whatnot about product tests, reviews and, and whatnot about new technology um, just because people, yeah, with that keywords, if they search, then they, they want to look at the tech and not the, the risks about it. So I actually had to dig a lot to find good articles, which, uh, is why I put the media coverage as a point in this, uh, in our show notes. Well, I found I a ton of stuff on, on like IOT botnets and stuff like that, but mostly because I, I search primarily like security focused things. And, and what I saw was, Also in the, in the news, a lot of unauthenticated protocols. So, um, anytime you have a device that like a uh, Google Chrome, for example, people connect their Google Chrome directly to the internet all the time. And we just did a video on how you can search for every single one of them on Shodan and then output in a, a list of IP addresses and make it play whatever video you want. Um, so those sorts of, you know, unauthenticated proto protocols that anybody can essentially interact with those are from what i've seen a pretty good source of media coverage because these products will use an un you know just something that anybody can do and then assume that if you're on the wi-fi network you have permission to interact with the device which as soon as you open up your network to the internet becomes untrue and suddenly you have people pushing all sorts of weird content to your device that you've opened up uh, and allowed to access so the same is true with printers and all sorts of other iot devices i just see a lot of news stories of You know, people, either these devices automatically configuring themselves to be 
like open and discoverable or otherwise like like having the owner connect it to the internet and finding out that the protocol is unauthenticated and anybody can make it print out like a thousand pages of like an erotica novel or something uh, on twitter i feel like i see every day an article about some hacked iot stuff yeah uh, some terrible example um but my point is when when someone searches for smart home or iot or something they will see hundreds thousands of results of people hyping this shit up like crazy and very little about the risks yeah because people are shopping yeah but also i don't know uh, in the, the news coverage is often oh hey look there's this uh, google conference and they talked about google home and how great it is and that's all the new things it can do Uh, meanwhile, that article from last week about uh, how Alexa is spying on you, uh, no one is interested that, that, in that anymore. So we're not going to show you in your results. Well, yeah. Kind of a, yeah. Um, I mean, I understand that. Nobody's getting paid <laughs> on the second yeah. article. Whereas, yeah, the first person's probably making a bunch of money on like Alexia, affili yes. Alexia affiliate sales or some, or some such nonsense. But yeah, I mean, of course, the search results are always going to be skewed towards what people are looking for when they're trying to make a purchase decision. And they're going to be skewed towards helping you make that purchase decision. Nothing bad enough or widespread enough has happened that has gained media traction that makes people, you know, that concerned Nobody yeah. has been, has had like, you know, their IoT device be used to like stalk them on like a mass basis or something that's like would really, really rile them. So until the risk becomes personal, people are going to avoid it. Um, and you know, it's like speeding in Los Angeles. Everyone does it, but like you could be caught at any moment because just a certain amount of people get caught every day. Um, same thing with having a, like a, an IoT device like that. Like some people are going to run into problems because of the way that they're not secured properly, but the vast majority of people won't. And as long as that's the case, the company's not going to make the case to you that, you know, there's no black box warning like there is on medication where like, you know, 10% of patients have like severe side effects. It's like, well, like, you know, you could have your computer be part of a botnet thanks to your IoT device. But hey, like most people don't have that experience. So we're not going to tell you that that's a risk. Yeah, there, there are these news stories uh, all the time, but they don't really attract much attention. Uh, other than the infosec community maybe well it's because your iot device is being used to like like fuck up dns or something it's not like you know your IT, your thing is being used to attack you that would concern yeah. people they'd be like get this thing the fuck away from me like i don't want this evil light bulb like get get that i don't want this wi-fi ghost they toss it if they thought it was going to attack them personally but if their iot device is being used to like whatever like attack like ukraine's like power plants like that doesn't affect them directly like they don't care about that that stuff generally because it's not you know it's not in their sphere of day-to-day -day stuff um I'm, i'm curious david how do you uh see the media coverage on this topic because cody and me we have done a lot of research <laughs> for this stuff anyway but you are also in the infosec community you're doing the bug bounty and everything i mean probably people are not that uh interested or, or i don't know Maybe people just don't really care about it. And that's why there are not a lot of articles or such about it. Or, you know, even if uh, about this, the Xiaomi scooter, they don't really care. Or apparently there were some big news stories, but people don't seem to care about it. So it looks like people are just don't care. Maybe yeah, because I, they I, don't I understand. About it. But so it's possible that they just don't kind of understand how how these things work or how could this 
uh, you know, attacks uh, affect them. So that's why they don't really give. I don't know. Because yeah, the, yeah, you don't really see any any news about these things because uh, only only when it becomes part of a botnet. But really, average people do they care about it? No, as Cody said. So I'm still waiting on someone that takes my D offer to disable like an automated factory or something. Oh God! I mean, I don't want that to happen, but I also if want you have it to a happen. if you have like a SCADA system running on Wi-Fi, fuck you! Like that's I don't do people do that? People do all 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 sorts of shit. Uh, so yeah, probably. All right. Well, <laughs> I don't I don't know. I wanna like I don't really want it to happen, but I also want it to happen. So just to to so people wake up, you know it. Sometimes it's so frustrating. You are in this infosec community. Uh, all these experts are constantly yelling, but no one's listening. And yeah. Well, I so yeah. I used to do security in a music venue, and I would be like, "Hey, I interviewed all the guards about what would they would do in an earthquake if people were injured." And each one of them had a different response. Some people said to bring people in. Some people said to bring people out. Some people's like it. It was going to be a, a huge problem, but because it was not profitable. Because it did not lead to a path of increasing sales, no one cares, and that's that's just the thing. Like people, if it doesn't directly affect them in that moment, even if it's a potential problem, they do not care about it unless it either makes the money, saves the money, or very tangibly avoids disaster in the like immediate short term. It's crazy, but you know, people don't care. Regular people especially business people, do not care about security if it makes them no money. There is no point in having a secure product if your product is not profitable or it does not exist. That is a business fundamental. So, you know, for all that we care about security and consumer experience and stuff, that is their like third, fourth, fifth priority. Because in order to even care about security, you have to be a profitable company. And that's fucking hard. Also, I, I think... Uh... Most of the people don't really care about it. The average user don't care about it because they, I, I think they already accepted it that they have no privacy. Oh God, I hope not. God, I hope not. I yeah, no, no, I actually, really hope I, not. I, I, I heard some people who, I mean, talking about this topic, their opinion was that, I mean, we use Facebook and stuff, so we already have no privacy. So it, it, what? Interesting. That was their, ugh. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, I I think this can be this can be a pretty common thing in like these nowadays people because you know they hear about all of these things and then maybe they are just accepting the fact that there is no privacy. Dangerous may- talk. That is dangerous. I don't like that at all. This is not good. This is not good. But maybe that's that's some way. But I I think that could be possible because. Maybe like you know, especially the new generation people who they, you know, they already have grown up to this that all of these companies are having these big things, and you know they have this, uh, they have this way of thinking that I'm not doing anything bad, so I'm not, I shouldn't be afraid of stuff. But this is really wrong, because it is, yeah. I mean, of course, you're not doing anything bad, but then then you have to show them like some real impact. So, for example, they can see into your house, and you don't want it. Even even though you're not doing not doing anything bad, you don't want other people from some China Chinese server to look into your home. So, 
Yeah, but yeah. but maybe that's the problem here that people don't really care about it because they think like, oh yeah, my privacy is already fucked. It's uh, it's all well and good until the goalposts of doing something wrong move, and suddenly you are doing something wrong. You know, it's like if it, it, let's just say we all agree on what's one what's wrong and what's not wrong, then that's fine if you're not doing anything wrong. But if a private company If a government, if a foreign government decides that something you're doing is wrong and you just have all your shit just out there, you don't really get a choice, um, which is the scary part, is not having a choice. Like, privacy is about having a choice. You can you could put all your shit out there. Use Facebook all you want. If you want to make yourself public as you, that's your right. But it doesn't mean that the rest of us consent to it. So, like, good for you. Like, you don't have anything to, to hide. Like, put, put a big fucking sticker on your chest and wear it around and like feel proud about yourself. But like, no, like not everybody's like you. Like some people do feel like they have parts of themselves. They don't want everybody in the world knowing. And it, it's not fair to make that sort of decision for everyone. So I, I hate that sort of opinion. I think it's so ignorant because that's the kind of opinion people give you when they don't understand what they have at stake and how things are relatively good right now when it comes to not using all these tools to monitor you to, you know, like harass people or like, you know, target them but they yeah. very easily could be changed to and in certain governments certain regimes they already are so it's just a very dangerous opinion and a nice one to have when you live in a democracy that respects some some degrees of expression but in countries where you don't have freedom of expression it's a very dangerous opinion yeah that's that's true i, I very, very well said <laughs> <sighs> so i guess that leads us to the internet of shit huh The Internet of Shit, yeah, yeah, that's... which is also the title of our notes. Yeah, well, I was actually just cruising onto the the Twitter account and and looking at yeah. some of the devices. Um, one of my favorite that I've ever known about was the um, Wi-Fi connected uh, uh, intimate toy. Um, it's a Wi-Fi connected dildo, um, and it has a you camera. Know? Yes, and not only that, it can be detected by war driving, <laughs> and it, you can log into it over the internet. Um, oh my God. So there was a story on Wiggle Wi-Fi about how people were war driving for these things, and then when they they detected them, you could also there was like weak. You could like log into them locally. They generated their own hotspot, like all this awful, awful stuff. And uh, I was just like, wow, like we really have reached like a new era where like you got to like worry that that awful, embarrassing thing in your in your dresser drawer is letting every passing motorist know that you have it inside your house. <laughs> so one thing is like, so that raises the point. If you buy a weird IoT device that you would embarrass to be to be owning, if it has sufficiently unique MAC address, you could just get a pin dropped on your house by war drivers who locate that device. That has happened. That is that is how the the Wi-Fi dildo story broke. Um, people war drove it, and they discovered that they could just create a map of everyone that owned this pro this product. So that's fun. The uh, I I believe this is called the Internet of Dongs. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes, the internet of dongs. And uh, there was a, a talk about. It, <laughs> there was a talk. Yeah, I think there are multiple talks. This is like a whole project uh, where there's this one or, or multiple people. I'm not sure. Uh, they are, uh, yeah, looking specifically into sex toys that are connected to the internet or or work over Bluetooth or stuff. <laughs> Definitely look at the Internet of Shit Twitter account. I just opened it and it's G. 
There, there is Smart a... kill electric mouse trap. Oh my god. Oh and, my and god. Look at the, Aren't look those at the illegal? Button. I'm sorry. Didn't the... we ban auto, like automated weaponry? <laughs> look at the bottom yellow text. Oh my, oh my god. god. It says receive kill alerts on your mobile device. Wait, so this okay, this is literally automated weaponry. Like this is like a mouse kill like yes. a the mouse terminator like T one thousand and it just calls you and be like, I've destroyed another one and you're like, Good job, robot. Yeah, Fuck why that do thing. you need what the hell a- when is that going to become a home security device it's like there's one unconscious intruder uh, tied up in your home Cody, you're like good one robot Cody Cody, Cody, Cody look it's Wi-Fi certified oh yeah oh, right oh well thank god <laughs> then it's then and the app is free so you don't have to worry oh well free apps are have, always the best do you have an <laughs> yeah, account right. here connect control defend <laughs> really really why do you i love this why, why do you why do you need so in the picture the guy is showing an app which has a rodent code so it, when the when the mouse walks into the trap it sends you the notification but what why what what's the need for this can you is it actually just catching it's a mouse, mouse they're trying to build a, a button to a, kill it a, better mousetrap but they're doing it in a way where you create a mouse terminator and it's unnecessary because uh a it should be banned under like a new geneva convention and b um it's just unnecessary (laughs) but what are what is it why what is the app doing is it like doing like this is really morbid is it like tracking how many no when it, it detects one when a thing goes in and then it probably detects electrical resistance change when it fries the living shit out of the mouse so like I'm, like what is what's next like a tiny gas chamber like this is disturbing it's fucked up it's weird like I don't like it uh, like a tiny electrocution chamber like like fuck no like why is that an Internet of Things device like ah uh, I hate it I hate it mm. I don't like that one at all thank you for sharing it though okay but maybe uh, someone will make open source firmware for this thing. Uh. <laughs> I'm not sure if that will help because the purpose is so weird. It's awful. Uh, oh my god. Jeez. Okay. I just. This, yeah. This is the first so one. If I, you, I, so if you if you haven't if you haven't seen the internet or shit, it's it's really great. Um. Oh, Michael Reeves is on there too. I really want to. I'm gonna stalk Michael Reeves and talk to him at some point. Michael Reeves makes a bunch of <laughs> terrible products. Um. And some of them are IoT devices, and all of them are are useless and awful. But uh, I really I really like his work. So. I I really want someone to write open source firmware for that smart kill thing. <laughs> for the mouse terminator T1000. Oh my god, Im- imagine the possibilities. <laughs> oh, this is so fucked up. <laughs> Voice controlled measured poor. Uh, okay, come on. Let's let's Okay, I'm just looking at the tweets, Look but... look away from that product picture. <laughs> Uh, so, right. So yeah. we were a sort of transition to open source. So the, a lot of these things can be programmed in ways that are not dependent on sending all the information back to a server. You actually can then get some transparency by using kind of almost the equivalent of open um, DDWRT, something like that, um, which if you don't know about that, that's something you can put onto a router that allows you to basically have complete control over it. So uh, there are options out there for IoT devices that allow similar, sometimes even enhanced functionality than what the uh, the company who made it would provide. Um, but I don't know the most about that. Do you? Not really. Hmm. I mean, not not in that specific regard. No. Well, um, are there open source projects out there for IoT devices? 
Yes. I mean, uh, I have mentioned this in my video multiple times, I believe. Do it again. Uh, for these lights or, or just generally these cheap IoT, uh, uh, yeah, smart home devices like lights, light switches, uh, uh, power plugs, that, that kind of stuff, they often use the exact same hardware. Hmm. Um, some some chips use a slightly different chip to control the LEDs, for example. But they they are always built, uh, or most of them are built on the same firmware because the uh, companies that produce them want to save money. Uh, that makes it easy for us to hack them as well because they cheap out on everything. Uh, and that usually uh, makes it easier for us to... Uh, yeah, hack them and, and put our own uh, firmware onto them. So there are there is a project called uh, Is Ispurna. Is oh, I can't pronounce this. There's also um, let me get this right. Son of Tasbota. Oh my god, I I'm not sure if that's right, but uh, that's I believe for the power plugs and and light switches and that kind of stuff. Um, both both are for the ESP8266 based devices. And these these firmwares are much better. First of all, you can put your own firmware onto them. Uh, they have an OTA uh, update uh, feature built in. So if you later change to re reverse and put your other firmware onto them, you can then do that easily after you flash the open source firmware. Uh, by default, they create their own network so they don't leak data to the internet and you don't need a, an account and you don't need an app that takes all your uh, phone book and all your other data from, from your phone and leaks that to the Chinese. Hmm. Um, it just creates an access point. You can log in with a default password and then you change that default password. It actually forces you to change that default password so you don't you can't forget it. Uh, and, then you, and then it just creates their own access point. And if you want, you can give it access to your home network for convenience. But then you have this step in between where you as a user you know how much access you give this device. Mm. You can give it access to Alexa, Google Home and stuff, but you uh, you kind of give consent to that. Meanwhile, with other devices, uh, they just do everything for you because convenience. That's something I don't like. Um, yeah. But these open source projects are usually not very uh, supported by the companies that make these products, uh, but also... Also, the government. Uh, I have I told you guys maybe, but uh, there was an event uh, where companies came by to our to uh, to our campus, and I talked to a guy that is uh, working for the government in in the in a department that is partly responsible for regulating things like this, mm. uh, especially when it comes to radio stuff. And I was talking to him about the light bulbs and stuff. And uh, I also, we talked a bit about open source and that I think that open source uh, can solve a lot of these issues. Uh, he was not happy with this, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, oh, who, but who is responsible for this stuff then? No, 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 this can't work. And especially if, if there are radios involved, then we can't let this risk happen and stuff. But companies abuse this. Anyway, that's that's my first point. Second point is uh, when companies don't provide updates anymore, your your product is broken. Uh, if you if I buy this product, I should have full control over it. Uh, sure, okay, radio stuff. I know it's a touchy subject for these regulators, but still, come on. Um, 
And also, uh, we don't have to talk about open source uh, that is produced by the community. You can make these companies make their shit open source. So if they uh, if they go bankrupt or whatever, community can still uh, go and that uh, that I think is responsible. It. Like honestly, if they're gonna if they're gonna stop supporting a product, at least making the source open so that other people can continue to support it is responsible. Also, just make it open so people, uh, are, you know, can make sure that there is no NSA spy bug in there, which probably is. So that's why they don't want to make it open source. And they have a lot of money, so the government uh, also don't want to hurt them because, well, lobbies and stuff. Yeah. So my, my point is just open source. It, it helps a lot with these shitty IoT devices. Um It can improve them a lot and, and expand their lifespan and reduce the environmental impact by that point as well uh, and give you more control over the privacy and improves your security. It basically, they, it can make everything so much better with these devices. Uh, but yet, uh, because of capitalism, there isn't much interest to push for this. Also, isn't it really hard to get all of these uh, different, um, like, I don't know, LEDs and stuff supported? Because all of um, these use different kind of... Yeah, so that's another point. Um, the devices I reviewed are all ESP-based. So they use the same hardware, more or less. Some have slightly different... Like uh, this one lamp has the uh, red LEDs connected to pin 5 and the other one to, pi to pin 4. Okay, so you need a slightly different configuration, but the code uh, still works on both lamps. Um, that's really not a problem. Problematic is when you have a shit ton of products and they all use different microcontrollers. Uh, then it gets tricky. And some, like the... Um, uh, is it? I think it was the Yeelight or something like this. Uh, Linus Tech Tips actually recommended this uh, as a alternative to the, uh, to the Philips Hue because the Yeelight is from Xiaomi or something like this, and it's cheaper and can do the same. It also works over Wi-Fi. It's basically the same as the ESP8266 lamps, but it uses some weird proprietary chip uh, where you, you can't get any info online about it, basically. Um, and yeah, it's not really accessible to, to hack around with and stuff. So companies also sometimes put a lot of effort into um, keeping both hardware and software that's running on these things closed. So... Yeah. Uh, Some devices, you have a really hard time to even make open source firmware for it. But really depends on the device. Yeah, and it depends on how they're making money on the device as well. If, uh, if they're making money on selling data, there's no incentive for them to do things like this. Yes. Oh, actually, that, that could be a good indicator. indicator. <laughs> if this thing is hackable... Uh, You should think of how they actually make money. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, this is, I think, all I have on this right now. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Um, yeah, I and also I think that it's interesting that there are platforms out there that you could possibly reflash. One thing we identified earlier was that you can reflash a lot of these things uh, with potentially unwanted updates. But it's kind of cool that there actually are wanted updates that you could flash that would make it more open source and sometimes more usable than the original cheap uh, interface that was thrown on these products. Yeah, 
uh, good point. It's like you're using um, the, the vulnerability to make it more secure. <laughs> yes. But often, so in as you were going to probably in, mention, you can only flash it once, though, without having to take it apart again. Um, okay, so you can flash it. You can, uh, these cheap light bulbs, they have a sh- super shitty update procedure. So you can uh, relatively easily spoof that and uh, inject your own f- uh, firmware image without breaking it open. Uh, and then I would recommend you flash a firmware image that has over-the-air update capabilities. Uh, you can, I think, if 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 we talk about ESP eighty two sixty sixes and uh, you use Arduino, I believe you can just uh, copy paste the uh, example sketch or or just uh, yeah smash it together. It's relatively easy to put over the air updates uh, uh, in 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 these things with Arduino at least, and then just flash that uh, because then then you're on the safe side. You you never need to open the lamp, uh, and you can. Uh, flash it remotely after that as well. Uh, well, yeah. But you, obviously, if you enable something like o- over-the-air updates, uh, then keep in mind that that's also pretty insecure. Um, yeah. <laughs> Better to use open-source firmware that has this all figured out already, so it has some kind of auth- authentication. But if you want to program them yourself, you can also do that. Uh, so yeah, um, yeah, good point. Uh, shitty IoT devices can sometimes be the best, just because they are so shitty that you can make them. Uh, because they are so shitty, it enables you to make them much better. Because the security holes enable you to put good software onto them. Yeah, and turn turn them good, basically. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, I like open source. I feel like uh, this uh, discussing why open source is good uh, is uh, a huge topic on its own. I just scratched the surface here. Uh, I I wish we could have someone that is like really uh, conservative on this regard, so we could argue. <laughs> would be fun. Would be a fun episode. That would be fun. That would be fun. All right. Uh, do we have something to wrap this up? <laughs> no, I think shit. I think that's it. I think what we learned was these devices are sometimes useful, sometimes not. They're sometimes configured securely, but often not, especially when they're cheaper. And then they have holes in them that can make them both a threat to privacy and security, depending on the way that they're configured and the way that the companies that are actually providing them make money. Also, Cody's hungry, so we have to eventually <laughs> I'm finish hungry. this I'm hungry. It is three o'clock here in the afternoon. That's very, yeah, I gotta... I gotta uh, it is almost midnight here. Yeah, I bet it's a There's very... A slight... Oh, it's a very yes, high number in your time system. <laughs> this is a very uh, slight time zone change difference between us. So when Cody yeah, wakes up, like... it's, it's, the, it's the night. Or I'm not... Yeah, only like... 10 hours in between or something. Yeah, nothing. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nah, not. But, but what is it? Eight hours, nine hours? Fortunately, my sleeping patterns and when I'm awake usually mean that we can have quite normal conversations by your standards. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Um, all right. So uh, I think I have to thank the patrons, which uh, I will try to find out which ones to thank personally right now oh my god where do i have to click uh active agents <laughs> uh, uh, update. 
So I have to thank Aaron, Adrian, Eric, uh, uh, Kenneth, Kenneth. I I don't know how to pronounce his name. It Kerry. I should have wrote, written this down earlier, uh, but I forgot to put this in the show notes. Sorry. Uh, what else, David? Me. Your thing. Yeah. Uh, um, if <laughs> <laughs> this feels a bit forced after a lot of. Yeah. Okay. We don't. We don't have to do this anymore. Uh, yeah, we de- we want. we have to keep the tradition, but I can go in a more basic way. So give us feedback. There there isn't been a big uh, heap or like I don't know the, the feedback didn't really skyrocket after my after my thing, right? We sometimes get feedback on Discord, I think, but it's not really a big. Give us feedback. Yeah, give us feedback. It really matters. Even if uh, you give us feedback after every episode, even if we know you personally, whatever, just yeah, so say something. It thank always you. helps. Thank you for listening. And it's uh, it means a lot that you listen to the whole two hours because it's <laughs> a long time. And, um, and yeah, we really appreciate it because that's a lot of your time. So thank you very much for for listening all for all of this and uh, give us feedback if you if you would like to thank you yeah. very much thank you so much uh, hopefully you learned something all right uh then um yeah thanks for listening and thank you two guys for uh, uh being here talking for so long especially cody for not starving and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, hear you in the next episode yes awesome. bye-bye bye bye